I, I don't know. But apparently you could only get... They originally released the Gingerhead version originally via Hasbro, and the black-haired version came along later, but you could only get it via WF Magazine. There's also a Hogan figure you can only get via WF Magazine and a Bret Hart figure by WF Magazine. He's got those two and has had those two for years, but he needed the Undertaker one. And it never comes up on eBay, and it came up the other day, and he has paid pounds for it. I mean, I'm stunned for words. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm not because it's Al. I spent all day just looking at him, like you know, you know, like that, like, like um, the, the the Holy Father in Father Ted when he, you know, kicks him up the arse. That kind of <laughs> just walking and around. Really? Yeah, but that's the one. Yeah, pretty much. That's it. But oh yeah. Anyway, that's um, yeah. That's like cold he, open, probably. He, he, he knows that that can be announced to the world, can it? Just to confirm. No, he probably doesn't want it, actually. He's spent a considerable amount of money, put it that way. Put it that way. When you put this on the podcast, Phil, <laughs> just bleep out the money amount, all right? <laughs> so it's just Al has spent <laughs> on an action. <laughs> and then that'll be fine. We haven't got a Patreon or anything just to be thrown around that kind of cash. <laughs> no, not really. Not yet. Anyway, maybe he started up the the only the only Al Jordy. Um, wait, that's wrong. Only fans Jordy Al edition. <laughs> oh no! Let's not even do that. No, not a chance. Not a chance. <laughs> Welcome to the Conquistadors. Tonight on the Conquistadors, the Conquistadors take over their own podcast for NXT Brooklyn. Stepping into the ring tonight, the Demon Ewan Taylor, Samoa Cameron Phillips, Jushin Thunder Phil Doyle, and our very special guest, the franchise player of Target Wrestling, Shady Natras. Only tonight on The Conquistables. Anyway, <laughs> shall we begin in earnest then? I think we should. <laughs> think we should. Well, we, we, we're maintaining our normal professional introduction with his guest present, aren't we? So, <laughs> Yes, we are, yes. But we need to introduce the guest as well. That's the thing, you see. Sorry. Because whilst... Sorry, Captain Cameron, I'll sit back. Yeah, whilst us three are here and we're always here, you know, as 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 lads, you know, and Al usually, but uh, tonight we have a, a rather special guest um, in the shape of uh, Target Wrestling, its only Grand Slam champion, and the franchise player Shady Natris. Yep. Welcome, sir. Yeah, uh, pleased to be on. We're pleased to have you. We're pleased to have anybody. Planning this for a while. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's been really good. Uh, so we thought it'd be a, a, a grand thing for uh, Shady to come on and uh, share his opinion with us on a show, and we kind of reached a kind of mutual consensus for this one, didn't we? Oh, because we can have a fight on Discord about it until we got to some. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, I was saying to Shady, he's like going to go. I was like, you pick the show, you pick the show, and you wanted to do a, an NXT takeover, but then you said you guys pick what takeover. We kind of hummed and hawed about maybe Toronto. But then we went to the first NXT takeover that was outside the performance center in the shape of the first takeover, Brooklyn. Yeah. So, 
first question up, Shady, and I, I always ask this, you know, we always ask this to each other on the usual show, I and mean, I never mean to make it sound like accusatory, but it's like, why did you pick an NXT takeover? I don't mean to ask you, why have you picked this? But, um, well, what? actually, today I, I, I re-listened to your, to your last show and uh, heard the uh, the aggressive tone that you asked for. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Not, it's good to hear it's not just me you know I get gaslighted a lot on the show I didn't I, I apologise at the time I said so it did come out more aggressive you did it to yourself it. Phil you did it to yourself <laughs> I was just as soon as it left my mouth I was like that sounded really brutal <laughs> uh, so the, the, the reason behind the takeover is um, I think I think a lot of people agree that the takeovers have probably been the the highest standard WWE's put out for quite a few years now, so um, it's I, I enjoy watching them uh, more than a, a current WWE uh, product or one from the last even ten years. I think I, if if it wasn't a, an, a takeover, it would have been a, an early nineties uh, WWF show. And uh, I do this like uh, I try and watch uh, a wrestling show a day. Okay. Like. Um, but I kind of just pick random shows, so I don't really look into what matches are on the show. That makes sense, yeah. You end up um, going, oh, no, I don't like that one because that match is on. Oh, that match is on. So um, I just go in blind and I kind of cover a wide range of whether it's WWE, WWF, WCW, all the way to like Lucha stuff, some Japanese stuff as uh British stuff as well. So, as I say, trying to uh, go in blind as uh, or as blind as I can without uh, remembering. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. That's great. Yeah, I say I, I was quite excited about doing a take. I probably agree with um, Shady about the NXT shows. There probably have been, like, I can't think of a WWF show, WWE show that's like that's been better than an NXT show. Like they probably had like there's been like the odd moment that's been really like, incredible on like a WrestleMania, but or whatever. But nothing's kind of had the consistency of the takeovers from them over like the last well, it's what six years now, isn't it? I think seven years. Uh, six. Yeah, six. Yeah, because this well, this show's coming up six years old, isn't it? Yeah, which is a bit uh, shocking for the quote developmental brand. Well, that's that's the sort of point I brought up in Discord that. NXT takeover. Sorry, NXT at this point in time in 2015 was very much a developmental brand there's no there's no about there are people on there that are very new whereas you've got more established people i.e in the main event but now in 2021 because of AEW's existence nxt has now been somewhat brought up to the level of a raw or smackdown it's now a third brand and personally speaking i think it's really hurt it it's really really hurt it because it's gone from being what we see here to just another two hours of tv in my opinion that Thankfully, he's got no magic. People metamorphosizing into other things or other nonsense they put on Raw or SmackDown. <laughs> Whereas at this time, this snapshot here, it's very much focused on wrestling. There are storylines galore, of course there are, but the action is of a much higher quality. Yeah. The next team, now such a high standard to it, anybody with uh, very little experience really sticks out. Mm. And mm. it's of no benefit to them being put on TV. No, so, you're right. Uh, quite detrimental to them. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose like back at this period, like NXT pretty much had like the pick of the indies. So they could bring in like the top level guys who were ready to be on TV, who were kind of ready for that next step. But mm-hmm. at this point, like 
like there's oh so many more options for them to go to you know there's impact to a point there's aew uh what's it mlw as well it's like there's yep. much more there's much wider option thing for people out there on the, on the u.s scene to kind of get themselves yeah. built up before they go to the nxt the american arm of uh, new japan's of, uh, option now mm-hmm. yeah that's true yeah is it not also the case with um nxt at the minute in the fact that when you know in 2015 nxt was on for what like an hour yes yeah. and it was taped wasn't it they taped like four shows yeah, in yeah, a week, yeah. i think yeah I'm always of the opinion that you know ideas and, and gimmicks and uh, in in wrestling, when they're on Raw and SmackDown, because obviously Raw is like three hours a week and SmackDown is two hours a week, gimmicks tend to like burn out really really quickly on the quote unquote main roster. Mm-hmm. Whereas on NXT, especially at this time, the because it's not so much you know it's not as overexposed as maybe the main roster is, they have a bit more of a chance to breathe, and that's what kind of made. And you know, you, you didn't get like a takeover every single month. Were they about every six weeks or so, weren't they? It was well, it kind of combined them with the sort of major pay per views, didn't they? They did like yeah, Rumble yeah, yeah. and WrestleMania's things like that. And so there might be what like four a year or something like that. And it kind of goes back to the old school WF way of doing it. You know, you're getting four big shows a year, so everything feels kind of fresh. Whereas now when, you know, they have a main event on a raw pay per view, you've probably seen those two guys or those four guys wrestle each other on Raw a couple of weeks leading up to it kind of thing. Even with uh, with NXT, if it was, uh, like, with the four pay-per-views a year, the the NXT matches meant something because it's not, okay, well, in four weeks you're going to be wrestling uh, wrestler A. You had, like, the the X amount of time to, to build up to a big match, so when you got the takeovers, they felt big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree, yeah. agree there because you've been watching TV for sometimes three months with back and forth, maybe a match in between building up. But then you knew when you got to take over, that was going to be the blow off. That was going to be the be all end all, whatever feud was going on. Typically a takeover would be the end of it or the next evolution of it. If they were throwing yeah. a different person in, whereas now you're exactly right. I mean, we only had the Royal Rumble two weeks ago and Elimination Chambers this Sunday. So that says it all right there. Yeah. They're also squeezing in fast lane before. Oh, before Mania, well. yeah, of course. Because, yeah, you know, true. we're going to get that content out. It's all about need... content now. Yeah, They're yeah, not bringing back great it. balls of fire again. <laughs> uh, not to the best of my knowledge. <laughs> so, anyway, um, should we crack on with the show itself then? Yeah. So, should, I do, um, should I do so, a bit of homework around the uh, the context of the the wrestling scene at the time? Should I uh, do have a little, ooh. my little notes? Yeah, All right, okay, carry on. Yeah, no. Phil, have you got that? Because I was just kind of thinking, like, you know, we talked about NXT at the time. This was August 2015. Mm-hmm. It was the 22nd of August 2015, yeah. Well, thank you for being so precise, Cameron. It's no problem. <laughs> thank you. So, like, at this time, like, because I think at this time, like, this was like NXT's kind of big coming out where it kind of became, it kind of went to the next level, I think, of popularity with, with, with this show. So I was kind of thinking at the time, like, what kind of drew fans to it? And I was looking through, like, all the kind of um, things going on at the time and looking at it. CM Punk had quit the WWE, WWE like the year before, and mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan had dropped, had like retired essentially in April. Well, he'd gone out injured to retire. I think in the next February he would retire. So WWE had basically lost like probably the two biggest like indie cred wrestlers on the roster with those mm-hmm. two fellas going. Mm, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, you could probably and call that. Yeah. So I think because I, I checked on the SummerSlam at the time. Uh, which happened the, the day after. And the main event was uh, your Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar rematch. Oh, yeah. 
I think was the one where had the, the, the laughing Undertaker gif uh, meme yes, where he kind of sat up and one. laughed. Yes, yes. Uh, but you also had like um, Adrian Neville and Stephen Amell versus Stardust and the Cosmic King, uh, Wade Barrett. And also kind oh. of around this time is like the push of Roman Reigns as like the face of the company. So yeah. I think you had this kind of perfect storm of stuff with, with WWE where like they'd lost the kind of two big, like, you know, the cool guys essentially with Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. They were trying to push Roman Reigns as the big champ but that wasn't really kind of going over the fans. I think it'll be the Royal Rumble after this was one week, but he won where he was like massively booed. So I think it kind of like meant that all the kind of quote, you know, all the marks and smart fans, whatever, were looking for something to watch that wasn't the kind of main WWE product, which is why I think everybody kind of started to flock towards NXT. And it's like about, I think, think the being the elite started in 2016. So it's kind of before the kind of indies upswell that kind of led to AEW. But it is kind of starting because AJ Styles is at in, uh, at New Japan, so the Bullet Club's like you know, like massively popular with the cool people. So I think it was just kind of perfect storm. But like no one really liked the main roster packet their stuff anymore, and then all of a sudden NXT was doing like all these kind of cool matches, and I think it just kind of drew all the kind of fans to it, which kind of created that groundswell that kind of led to this 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 uh, pay per view. The the other side to that is um, I'm pretty sure at this time it wasn't available to the uh, American fans on TV other than through the network. Just pure the, it was purely on the network, wasn't it? It was like a driver for yeah. that. But the Americans didn't get it regularly. All right. Yeah, so it was a very weird deal. Back. I remember this back at the time. It was a very, very strange deal where it was, it was easier to watch if you were international than it was in their quote-unquote home base. Yeah, was it on like Hulu, one of the other streaming yeah, networks? I seem to remember it being on something like Hulu, yeah. Yeah, I can I admit, I, see see that that's a real research done by Shady. That I didn't realize that at all. I completely missed that. <laughs> I was just looking up to remember. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think there was a hunger for a different kind of product than the, what the WWE were kind of pumping out. Because especially this is like Raw yeah. was three hours. You know, I think Seth Rollins was the champ, and he was uh, having a few with Cena, which was quite good. But I don't think it was kind of capturing people's imaginations. And I think by this point, again, Seth Rollins was pretty much like a company man. Like he was, he was that kind of cool indie guy, but then he'd very much been kind of absorbed by the the WWE machine at this point. So people really wanted that kind of like not uh, like not the kind of mainstream thing, which NXT kind of really became. Yeah, yeah. So I think I'd been watching it for uh, I think the first pay per view, no, the second one, the whichever the one was, the Fatal Four Way with um, when Adrian Neville was champ. You mean NXT Fatal Four Way? That's the one. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <man. laughs> That's what I'm here for. Yeah, because that they had that kind of that, that that amazing feud between him and um, uh, Sami Zayn that kind of led to Kevin Owens coming in. Like that whole period was brilliant. I don't think they did they, put, they didn't put on a bad show for probably about three years. It was nuts. Yeah. Mm. In, uh, well, in in 2015, I was wrestling uh, Roderick Strong and Chris Masters in uh, in Cumbria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you're probably the only person on this podcast who've had a Ring of Honor world title shot as well. <laughs> I'm going to go with yes for that one. Yes, it's, probably. It's, unless, it, unless it's something Phil's not telling us. Well, no. <laughs> yeah. It's very strange how someone, how someone on the show actually knows what they're talking about. It's very peculiar. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, actual restless. <laughs> yeah, rather than four idiots just guessing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's what it usually is, is what we've been doing for years, anyway. Fans have packed the bar, please. 
scale that only NXT can deliver. Welcome to NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. The opener then for NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, as we said, it was August 22nd, 2015. It's in the Barclays Centre, which is the same venue that SummerSlam will be 24 hours later. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an introduction with Triple H, which is kind of weird because he does his whole sort of low, sort of growly, whispery thing as the camera goes really <laughs> close. It started as a whisper until you screamed it at the top of your lungs. Yeah. And then you kind of, he does the usual thing of, you know, kind of going, it's time for change. We are NXT. And then. That's a great impression, by the way. The, the, thank you. And then the lights go up and then there's uh, the crowd, um, which I thought was quite a cool visual yeah. for, the, for the show. Was this also the first like black and white coloured ring they did? Because the, 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 the normal colours like yellow and black, wasn't it, for the main, the normal shows? The Brooklyn shows do have a black and white aesthetic. The, the first yeah. thing I kind of noticed, well, the first thing I noticed was this is the first NXT outside of Full Sail. They sold out a nearly a 16,000-seat arena for a developmental show. That's what Think I'm about saying. that. It's the same thing. SummerSlam will be in 24 hours. You yeah, know I mean? it's wild. It's just absolutely crazy how the popularity is at the time. Um, yeah. We have our opening match, which um story goes that Tyler Breeze... Uh, wanted competition and felt that you know the, the, the NXT roster wasn't giving it. So William Regal, uh, NXT GM, gives him the competition he so craves, which leads to the one and only appearance in the WWF ring or WWE ring rather of uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. Now I have to admit that I probably know more about the sort of reputation of Thunder Liger than I. Do his actual matches. I'm a, I've watched a couple of his matches since, um, but more the later ones. Um, I wasn't. I'm not familiar with his early career, but I do remember reading Power Slam magazine in the '90s and his name coming up a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> like all the Super uh, Junior stuff in uh, New Japan, those sort of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super Junior '94 was just outstanding. So that that was one of the one of the big ones that got me fully immersed in wrestling. Yeah, I was a big fan of Liger. Yeah, that that whole tournament is just incredible. So I I agree with you there. And uh, even his his WCW match with Brian Pillman. Oh, my, yes. Yes, yes, yes. My favourite thing about Jushin Thunder Liger, they they shared a video of him. His his hobby is just making, like, um, action figures of uh, Godzilla from scratch. Really? Yeah, it was like a video of him just sat in this room, just, just, like, you know, just making, like, Godzilla figures from scratch and painting them and all sorts. I think uh, you and oh. Camp would, um, him and Camp would have a good little thing about painting, uh, you know, uh, Warhammer figures and stuff. Uh, I'd, I'd be painting Warhammer with Thunder Liger. There's a book soon. <laughs> One of the good things with Liger is, even though he's like so well respected, is he doesn't take himself too seriously. No, no, he's, he's very quick to make fun of himself, and he, he shows it in this match. Yeah, see, like in the opening, very, he very switched he? on. When he um, yeah. mimics Tyler Breeze's thing in the corner, he's kind of lazing on the ropes and he gets a selfie <laughs> with the cameras and stuff. Yeah, because Tyler Breeze's entrance is incredible with the whole fashion show thing going on. And I then, think and, to, yeah. just need to highlight just how good Tyler Breeze was in NXT. I, I wrote that down as well. Tyler Breeze in NXT was magnificent. The whole gimmick, it was basically a supermodel turned up to 10. Yeah, It was just ridiculous how good he was. And it was the right kind of um, like douchebag heel before like the comedy kind of overwhelmed him and on the main roster, yeah. didn't it? Which you know, I mean, the, yep. the fashion police stuff was really good. He's no denying that. 
but he lost that kind of edge that he had like uh, back on NXT when he was like involved like say he was involved in that four-way match as well which was brilliant and the scene coming out the music coming out with the camera all the you know all that kind of stuff oh I forgot how good Tyler Breeze yeah. was then Liger's music hits and he actually gets a really good pop I, I wondered at the time because obviously I knew Liger I was a so excited to see him and I thought how is this crowd going to react and he actually gets a really really good reaction because yeah. obviously the NXT crowd it's probably a more hardcore skewed crowd I would say oh yeah definitely. is that fair uh, yeah I don't think he would have got a similar reaction had he appeared on a on say, say SummerSlam 24 hours later I don't yeah. think he maybe would have got that same reaction no, yeah. no. On, on a slightly possibly off topic do you think a WWE wrestler would be able to get a good reaction dressed like Liger coming out no you <laughs> might not have seen him his first appearance is here with his big mask and his and his shoulder pads mm-hmm. would they react as well would he, do you know, what I mean? or, or would you just get laughed at because because you look like you know what I mean like a Power Ranger or whatever? I think we'd probably have the same reaction to him as Max Moon did in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone would be like Vicious. kind of going sharing photos on Twitter, going, "What's this guy? <laughs> What's he doing?" <laughs> it's like, and he might be able to do a moonsault, but yeah, you're right. It probably would be a Power Ranger thing. That would be the thing floating around Twitter. It would be yeah. like you know. It'd be Gogo, whatever his name was. <laughs> well, they, did, yeah. they did that to uh, Batista when he wore blue trunks, didn't they? Yes, yeah, I remember the Batista that. thing. For it, yeah, <laughs> it's just like what? That was just oh, wearing man. trunks. Never mind no. dressed as Liger. Here's a guy, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here's a guy that can still wrestle, just you know, and you're just ripping the mick out of his clothes. Yeah. You know, I think it's it just weird. depends on the context of it. Because like, if he'd like debuted in something like Lucha Underground, you might have got away with it. Mm. But WWE, it'll be really hard to kind of, because like you've got the Lucha Dragons or Lucha House Party, whatever they're called, but they don't go for the full on Liger mask, do they? With the shoulder pads and everything else. Now, now I say it, Phil, remember, Ed, current day NXT are currently touting the other woman who's over a thousand years old. That's true. I forgot about that, yeah. Trained by a dragon, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> Just the balls to go for it. You know what? She's trained by a dragon since a thousand years old. Put it on a promo, done. I respect that. <laughs> What have we got? The actual match itself, then. As we already said, the, the opening few minutes are essentially um, Liger taking the piss, which is really good fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the selfie stick. We get a... Um, absolutely... I think there's... Tyler Breeze flips so much out of a monkey flip and it, I think air traffic control should be notified, <laughs> which is great. You get some serious air off that. Yep. Cody Graves, who is on comedy tonight with Byron Saxton and Rich Brennan. If Breeze beats Liger tonight, he will skyrocket. I've put here down here again. Liger with a fantastic looking tilt the world backbreaker. There's a moment where Liger goes up to the top rope and then Cody Graves said, this is the guy who invented the shooting star press. And then Liger proceeds not to do a shooting star press. Brilliant. Thanks, Corey. Breeze moves outside when Liger's up on the top rope, and then there's a somersault planchet at the outside. Is that when Liger does a Hulk Hogan by the side of the ring? Yes. <laughs> it's like, yes, yes, Liger. He's yes. brilliant. He's brilliant. I mean, there's, there's something to be said for Liger's ability to get across his character and entertain an audience without facial expression. Yeah, I think mm. that's the biggest thing that I will say to people when they go, oh, he's just a parody. I'm like, okay, but... This man has managed to get over without you being able to see his face, without you being able to see his facial reactions, yet yeah. his selling is absolutely believable. Yeah, 
And yeah, it's all like, in the body language, isn't it? Yeah. And the fact that he'll be like nearly 50 year old at this point on this yep. uh, pay-per-view. And it's really changed. Yeah, that's yep. it. I don't know how he does it. How he's done it at this point. I mean, the fact that this guy is nearly 15 doing a somersault plancher to the outside. <laughs> it's yeah. just, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy, but it's its fantastic. I mean, I, I enjoyed this match as an opener. I think it was mm. great. I, that sounds like I'm knocking it, but I'm not. But it's, oh, no, uh, it was the perfect place for the card, wasn't it? It's kind of big pop for like, yeah. uh, like nothing too strenuous, like five, ten minutes just to kind of get the crowd good, get the crowd pumping. I think yeah. Breeze is a good opponent for it because obviously he's like a really good hand. So he can, yeah. you know, it's not like chucking him somebody who's quite green and could do it, you know, I think the last thing they want is to do damage to Liger. So I guess at this yeah. point there was potential for more New Japan stuff down the road, which obviously kind of went out the window. Uh, yeah, well, obviously, yeah, because we haven't had anything. You know. <laughs> Nothing since. <laughs> the Forbidden Door does not lead to the land of WWE. No. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> Yeah, I say I enjoyed this match as an opener. It was a cracking. Um, it was shorter than I remembered it being, but then it didn't really need to be much longer. I don't no, think it's what it needed to be, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. all. It, it's all it needed to be, and I really enjoyed it. And I liked it. I don't know. On, if, on the technical side, it was it'll have been good for Tyler Breeze to begin with uh, a Jushin Liger mm-hmm. experience rather than just work because he'd obviously he's been in he was in FCW as well before NXT wasn't he yeah he's there for so, a long time yeah. I think wasn't he he'll have been working the uh, WWE developmental circuit for a while so then to step up with somebody like Liger and clearly uh, be at a good level with him it won't have done him any harm career wise yeah totally not at all absolutely yeah, not at all I mean as, as much as there was a storyline going on that you know to get him competition I would imagine a little bit behind the scenes as well will be the thought of if you can hang with Liger then yeah. you know you, you've made it here mate you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not yeah. sure of, uh, I'm not sure of uh, Tyler Breeze's tassels though yeah it's well, a bit of a risk I'm all for those tassels I'm sorry I'm going to have to disagree there many ferrets have died <laughs> and wow. um, you know I think it was a noble sacrifice <laughs> they, they well, do it go. for the greater good it was done for the greater good. Done for the greater good. We get a promo for Nia Jax. Yep. Up Do next. men coming? Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Shall I clip in, please? Add in the uh, audio clip we're saying my hole into this part of the show. Please do. God, are we going down that route? <laughs> well, <laughs> no, we went to... We've done worse. Come on. Yeah, one, of, one of the one of the greatest worst moments of uh, 2021 WWE was that segment right there. Yeah, it was. Um, it was Mick Foley's suggestion that it could be the new Austin 316. Like, <laughs> oh my god, Mick, <laughs> Mick please. Some some to take the Twitter machine away from Mick. Yeah, someone someone lock the man's phone away, please. Oh, smudging the t-shirts. Our second match of the evening. <laughs> is the NXT uh, tag team titles are on the line as the champions Buddy and Murphy take on the Vaude Villains. Now, hey. uh, the Vaude Villains end up with uh, Blue Pants, Lever Bates, uh, in AEW at the minute, uh, in their corner, and um, Buddy and Murphy have, and I totally forgot this, <laughs> that Alexa, Alexa Bliss was essentially their manager for a while. I, I remember this greatly because Alexa Bliss, that's all I really need to say. But if you were to... <laughs> Ewan's away with the fairies right now. If you were to look at the start of this match, freeze for a bit, and Uh say one of these six people (laughs) will in five years' time 
be involved in the main event of Monday Night Raw on a regular basis. That's exactly what I wrote down as well. Only one of these people survived. Yeah. <laughs> Who was it? One of these people is still really in there. Well, I suppose Buddy Murphy's around. Uh, well, what? if you want to call it that, yeah. Because uh, they're still uh, they're still on SmackDown in some Raw. That's true. Yeah. So Blake was in. Um, was he partnered up with? Oh, what's his face? Corbin. No, he was with Forgotten Sons, and yeah, I think the the has he gone with them? One of them has. Because they released one of them, didn't they? They released the other one, I think. Well, there was three of them. <laughs> yeah, because the one they did the naughty tweets about the um, yeah. protest and stuff, he got moved. He's partnered up with Corbin. Elias, that's who he's with. Oh God, yeah. Wesley so Blake is. then, and the other guy got teamed up with Baron Corbin as his like his backup, and then they just released the other guy recently just because you know. Well, he, he apparently he apparently was at a party at the New Year. Yes, oh, that yes. was it. Yeah, a lot of the other wrestlers. That's how he got uh, caught. Yeah, and he caught COVID. Yeah, so he kind of got damned by association, and because he actually caught it, he kind of got the sack, which yeah. seems oddly harsh. But it's been just uh, where is it <laughs> going? Did, well, in in this day and age with the the whole virus, is it? Well, yeah, I suppose when you look at it that way, definitely, yeah, it's. Yeah. Um, it's kind of you, you'll have other people who were uh, in, in the sense that there was other people who were posting on Instagram that they were there. Like Ricochet was there apparently. Yeah, well, on Ricochet, Instagram. I think Ricochet's uh, um, he's clearly he's, he has shown his uh, he isn't the brightest with his uh, friends. <laughs> no, because uh, <laughs> that, that's for sure. <laughs> is it is is Katie Catanzaro's deleted her Instagram? Oh yeah, because, that happened at the start of the week. Yeah. So <laughs> it's wow. a bit. Between yeah. between not wearing masks or social distancing, um, him and uh, other people were like spending a lot of time at the uh, paedophiles uh, training school in Florida. Ah, <laughs> Florida—it's a wonderful place. <laughs> oh dear! Well, that took a that took a turn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, where are we? War villains coming into the ring and then proclaiming that men are here. I forgot how much I liked the Lord Villains as a gimmick. Yeah, shouldn't work at all, should it? No, no. but it did. <laughs> work at all. I think it's just the entrance that makes it, you know, with yeah. all the black and white stuff going on and the sort of timey-wimey... And it's the way they, they're both committed to it, aren't they? You see like, the way Simon Gotch like, climbs into the ring and does those kind of squats mm-hmm. in his yeah. kind of strongman get-up. They're like proper both leading into it and like like going with it. And if, I think if the people in the room, if they're going with it, then the audience will go with it as well, won't they? True, yeah, it is probably one of those gimmicks that you'd have to go full force into it because otherwise, yeah. you know, if, if you're half arsing it, then it would come across as a bit sort of flimsy and ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, and it's certainly but, better than the dubstep intro of the Baker Murphy with all the wub wub when they come down to that the ring. Is, that is quite really bad, you know. It's, I think. it's just uh, seizure inducing for the most part. <laughs> was, this not, was this not a period of time where Skrillex was doing everything in movie trailers? <laughs> it might wow. have been a little bit beyond that but yeah it was oh Cameron you're so down with the kids I am down with the kids Phil yes it's my 27 Grammy Awards would suggest so um, anyway what do we think of this match guys it's a decent tag team match yeah I think, that's I think it kind of it gets kind of it's obviously like it'll be like the next year the tag team division would just go through the roof wouldn't it with the say, American Alpha and the Revival and all those matches would kind of happen in the next year Mm. so it yep. kind of gets I think it's the DIY as well yeah I think this period gets kind of overshadowed by that but it's still a good match my my issue is 
I don't know. I don't know how much I can believe the Vada villains as faces. That's a point. Mm, yeah. That's, yeah, they're a perfect heel unit. Called Vada villains. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. There is. A... <laughs> yeah, there is an element of that. That's actually something I've never actually thought about. <laughs> Who else was on the tag team roster at the time? Because they mentioned about you know the, um, about the, one of the teams being second only to the Ascension, so they were still around. God rest oh, in yeah. peace, them. God, the Ascension were good in NXT. Jesus, what happened? Yeah. But they were, again, once they were partnered up with the Bachelor Police, they were great. And I think you, you would have had the Lucha Dragons, like Sin Cara was down there, I think, at the time. All right. Him and, was it Callisto he was partnered up with? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, like, I don't really remember anybody else who was ta- uh, who was taken around that time, to, to be brutally honest. I think that was the issue, that we were kind of limited with choices. So I think we had a lot of teams just sort of smushed together to be an opponent but this is the Ford villains are sort of one of the very few actual tag team units in NXT at this point in time yeah. so it was only kind of natural they would get the title shot uh, against yeah. Blake and Murphy kind of had to turn and face to get them against saying about them being the actual tag team the champions are called Blake and Murphy again good point yeah, exactly yeah <laughs> it's, it's, we don't need a name we just have our surnames I was like alright cool just go with the surnames I always just thought they were a little bit chucked together yeah <laughs> I think they were but because um, like you get the because they, they, I think this show they amount to Dusty Classic we generally get at least one tag team that's kind of trapped together don't you to kind of fill out the ranks yeah but I think you know they, they, they're wearing they, they're got, they got wearing like similar trunks they got the kind of Iron Man colours yeah. going you know they're a yeah. unit give them the, I mean, the, 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 even Alexa Bliss is the matching gear yeah, yeah. gotta give them some credit but I think this would be like after this would be the kind of slow climb down you know, they would lose the belts they wouldn't get them back they'd get split up move to the remaining roster as also around sort of things wouldn't they so this was probably like their high point in a way for them as a unit yeah I would say so yeah definitely that was another like, thing takeovers were used for as well takeovers were really the swan song for people mm. yeah. because generally after a takeover you would lose your top three or four people to the main roster <laughs> so then you'd That's have true. to start the cycle again of building yeah. up your mid carders to your headliners well, it was always kind of the risk with NXT, wasn't it? No matter how successful NXT gets, it's always going to be strip mined. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you're always going to think, well, you know, there's always that kind of undercurrent. It's like the same as the minute with Johnny Gargano. Everyone's like kind of going, oh, you know, when's Johnny Gargano going to go to the main event, uh, you know, the main roster? When's Never. he going to go up? Because Never he's done go. everything in NXT. He's don't done this. Go. Thing. Yeah, it's a mistake. Like, yeah, yeah, he's like, I don't think anything like, you know, the way would work in on Raw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it became clear like over the next couple of years like they just kept dropping the ball on, on most people coming up or they dropped the ball initially and it would take the person like a good like year, 18 months to kind of get back on their feet yeah the, the, thing with, the thing with Johnny Gargano is he's getting the luxury of takeover 20 minute matches mm, where yeah. you get that on the main roster now you get and two minutes in an advert like I, I, I'll, I'm, I'm a big Johnny Gargano fan but he's stale yeah, I uh, agree. It's it's still the same stuff that he's doing. Give I want to see someone else from him now. Yeah, I mean, I think getting slightly off topic, but I wasn't a big fan of the uh, Tommaso Ciampa matches he had. Thank nope. you. I thought yeah. they were overbooked as hell. They just went ages. <laughs> well, well, when he's a face, he only has one cell, and that's his like glazed over look. <laughs> yes, this is this is true. Um, I mean, he, he does it, I think probably the best, so once again, fantastically off, off topic list, but what, the, one of the best Johnny Gargano matches I ever saw was a couple of years ago when he had the NXT title match against um, Andrade. 
Yeah. Oh, that's a belter, yeah. wasn't it? Probably the last Gargano match I was like properly into. And probably the last Andrade match as well. He did a lot of glassy eyed looking at the ceiling in that one. Yeah. Well, well, my favourite Johnny Gargano match goes back even further till probably about 2013, uh, Ricochet, Dragon Gate USA. Ooh. And it was it was just like, they, they had a few matches and Ricochet asked us which one. And I went, oh, I don't know, because they all merged into each other with me. But it, it got me re- like fired up for, for going back to wrestling because you can get, you can feel a bit stale now and again, but it, it made us get my uh, groove back, if you know what I mean. Hmm. Aye. Oh, that's cool. I mean, does that often happen as a, as a wrestler? Do you, do you often take inspiration from other wrestlers that you view and then that sort of, you know, gets your fire back? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because, you know what I mean, especially if if you kind of feel stuck, I'm sure WWE wrestlers will, will feel it loads because the one, do you know what I mean, if you're stuck... On the one match on on metal or superstars every week, whatever it is, main event, you're gonna get a bit bored and sick. I'm surprised Cesaro's still <laughs> still still there. You and me both. Yeah. You and me both. And you've resigned as well. Money must well, be good. They're giving him a push for elimination chamber, probably because he has resigned. Well, yeah. <laughs> and he had that. He had a belt of a promo the other the other night on uh, Talking Smack. Talking Smack. Yeah. That. Um, but he was talking about, you know, how, you know, people think he would be upset, you know, being in the WWE. He loves it because he loves wrestling and he'll wrestle every day and all this kind of stuff, which fine. You know, um, anyway, bringing it all back, uh, <laughs> we've, um, it highlights, uh, the match. It, there's a really kind of like a background story in this match in the fact that you're wondering when, um, blue pants is going to slap Alexa bliss. And I don't know if that's a distraction from the actual match. Or... I think it's something just added in that you can watch the stuff in ring, but you've also got a sort of side eye on the outside because you yeah. know something's brewing between those two because of what's happened. They don't tease it though. It's not like there's like a couple of incidents that builds up to it. They just kind of like come in at the end, don't they? I think Alexa mm-hmm. comes in and then Blue Pants starts a bit of a fight. But they don't do like a, a tease where it's like she's running them off a couple of times, you know, to kind of build up to the kind of last confrontation it just kind of happens doesn't it I think if I remember right is, is that because they've done it in the in the build up on the the weekly on the show yeah that probably makes sense because I think the, the, the commentary talk about like how Alexa's always been like the one to kind of the, the secret weapon to, for them to retain their belts because they've had them for like a year or something haven't they like a good like couple hundred days or something daft like that it's a long while if I remember rightly yeah but you know the board villains finisher was called the word in Dervish and I forgot about that and it's brilliant it's a cracking name that I forgot that as well yeah I have also put on here um, regarding the board villains should your second tag in a match be a hot tag? No. <laughs> yeah, because Gotch comes in and this basically English game worked over for a fair old while, doesn't it? Why not? It just seems really early. It seems oh, it seems to come really quick. Is it not being the same as every other tag match? Yeah, I, I just it was bugging me when I was watching this. I feel like it, it felt like it. It felt like they'd kind of missed five minutes at the start and kind of skipped ahead a bit. And I don't know if that's maybe they had to do that. It's, you know I mean, you like, uh, obviously, I don't know what the, the WWE uh, match plan system is, but you don't, I can imagine a lot of them being the same seven step plan every time. Hitting the same beats. And you, you do have to mix it up. And it's, it, it was something different. Yeah, I suppose you look at, uh, when you're looking at it that way, yeah. I just, yeah. Uh, 
like it I, felt odd. I, yeah, but probably I don't know. It was something. You're probably right. It was probably something that I hadn't really seen much before. But you'll, you'll, you'll probably find I'll, I might disagree with a bit because I've got like really wrestling OCD. I, I have heard and I'm aware of your wrestling OCD, and I'm still watching. <laughs> I'm still watching those matches. You keep saying you've done something wrong in, and I can't find it. <laughs> yeah, I see. Uh, um, Gotch and Simon English. Uh, uh, Simon Gotch and. and <laughs> And Aiden English, Aiden English, uh, get the win after the Whirling Dervish for three. And uh, they get quite a good reaction for winning the belts, I think. Yeah, crowd give them a good reaction. They celebrate with blue pants. Everything's happy. Yeah, everything's good. And that's what you want, really. What's your thoughts on uh, Simon Gotch as a singles? Because he's on MLW at the moment, I think. Is he? Yeah, I he is. I thought he'd left completely. He was talking. No, he's been in MLW for a few months now as part of, um, I think it's part of Tom Lawler's group there. Please tell me he still has the moustache. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, yeah, Excellent. he does. Yeah, he's still got Excellent. the moustache. Um, I, I think because he's obviously been in tag teams for a long, long time, it was obviously going to take him a little while to get to get used to it. But I think MLW is good for him because he is allowed to be a prick. <laughs> he's allowed to be you know, a bit of a prick and a bit brash and a bit harsh because a lot of the talent in LW, it's it's very raw, it's very sort of visceral at times because of you know people that are in it. So I think him getting the chance to show that side of him as opposed to the, the sort of jaunty old-timey role, I think it does him a favour. I would imagine he's, be, he's, he's quite a sound wrestler as far as ability goes. We've got no complaints with that. As you said, I'm not sure how the strongman gimmick would work out you know anywhere else <laughs> <Outside of> the <laughs> <Lord> villains. <laughs> yeah we move on to Ty Dillinger or Sean Spears as he's now known in AEW versus Apollo Crews who yes. the, the, the fantastic moment during the entrances for this one is um, Apollo Crews like walking down the ramp and you can just hear him going that's a lot of people man you talk about anticipation for a Debut. This is the kind of moment any competitor who has ever laced up the boots has dreamed about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is his debut, wasn't it? In the, in yeah, the it was. It was his debut. debut. And yep. it's, it's apparently his birthday as well. Wow. <laughs> there you go. The former Uha Nation. It's a long way from Evoke in Preston. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Again, another one of those names that I heard a lot of. I heard a lot of Uha Nation, but then... And knew who he was, you know, they'd become Apollo Crews in WWE, but didn't really know much about his background. So this match for me pretty much did what it was designed to do in that it was an education in this is Apollo Crews and this is what he can do. Yeah. Do you think Ty Dillinger got too much in this match? If it was meant to be a showcase for Apollo Crews, do you think they gave a little bit too much to Ty? I don't think so. No. Or is that all that Ty Dillinger was good at being a good hand? Mm. It did feel like he was the kind of guy when you came into NXT, it was generally either him or Tyler Breeze was the person you feuded with first. Yeah. To kind of get yourself into the groove of it, and then you kind of move on to somebody else. They were kind of like they became like the gatekeepers for the um, for the upper echelons of the roster, didn't they? I think because you know Sean Spears is really good. Like I've quite enjoyed his work in AEW when he became was it the chairman. I mean, though he battered mm-hmm. Cody by mistake or whatever it was, but I think he kind of <laughs> worked that into quite a good gimmick after that. I think, but yeah, he kind of became like um, that person who kind of offers like the first kind of stiff challenge, but is generally always overcame by that person coming in. You never you never thought he'd win the the new face. No. No. No, no they're winning a new face tool. Not at all. But he was that kind of stepping stone up into the into that, you know, as you say, to get anyone someone in the group. 
I will say about Ty Dillinger, when he went to SmackDown, uh, he pretty much stole my uh, trunks. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I, I was really annoyed at because, okay, you can you, you can see his, his trunks at the moment. Is, he's got white trunks and they've got a black trim around the waist, which is a regular thing. You'll find lots of wrestlers with that. Yeah, that makes sense. But it also has a trim around the top of the legs. Now, my trunks do as well. So they do, I, yeah. <laughs> I have black trunks with uh, a light blue trim. And then yeah. he turns then he turns up on SmackDown with with black trunks with a light blue trim and I'm like, ah oh. Has <laughs> Ty Dillinger been in your wardrobe? You're watching them uh, them uh, Pro Wrestling's real life videos. He has, he has. I was I was coming to that later, don't you worry. <laughs> we'll we'll let you get your plugs in, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, this match, as I say, it's pretty much it's it's a fairly I think I think Apollo Cruz needs the right opponent. Yeah. Yeah, is is Ty Dillinger the right opponent for him then? No, it, it's, um, it's a fine match for it's a fine match after the high of the Bob Villains winning. It's a nice sort of buffer match to sort of calm everyone down a little bit before we start ramping it up again. To obviously, leading towards the two main events on this card. Yeah, yeah. So this this is the start of your kind of build towards the sort of midpoint to finale of the show, I suppose. In the normal case, would make sense because. Um, you'd normally bring it down before your main event, but if you've got two main events, why would you bring it down? That's just how WWE do it, I think. That's, that, that's, <laughs> it, it works for them, so, you know, that, that's what they'll do. Whereas another company would be like, why would we take the heat out of this crowd? But I guess you, you need to worry about burning the crowd out before your main event. If you just keep going and going and going, you need to have a lull somewhere to let the crowd get their breath back. Otherwise, by the time you get to your main event, the crowd are going to have nothing left. And and I'd I generally agree, but watch any other NXT takeover. Mm. Would this match have been better if it actually been on the NXT uh, like TV show rather than the, the takeover? Yes, or first, or first, yeah, even better, yeah. yeah. That's a fair point. Yeah, you're gonna get you got you're gonna get a reaction for Liger. That's a good yeah, point. Yeah, where he's on the card, he's gonna get a big pop, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah. So swap what swap Breeze and Liger around in the position of the card with this one. I think it would have built the card up. Yeah, yeah actually, the more you think about it, that would have made a lot more sense. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. See, this is why next... we, this is why we brought you on, Shady. This is why. We... <laughs> As I say, it's nice to have somebody knows what they're talking yeah. about. <laughs> oh, you mean... oh just ramble. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we, we do usually have Al quoting from the WWF encyclopedia. We do, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's researched. It's good enough for Hogan. It's good enough for anybody Just else. For anyone else? Yes. There we go. Anyway, um, oh, yeah. Uh, on the side topic of Apollo Crews, um, when he's in uh, when he's in Subway in Preston, and they won't accept his American Express card, he won't let us buy him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there you go. That is a combination of words I never thought I'd hear on this podcast. Let, we, I, I feel there's a story to this. <laughs> so oh, he was in, oh, he's in Subway. Oh, yeah. And so they won't I, let him pay on his American Express. PCW weekender. So Aye. obviously I'd had a few drinks on the uh, Friday night. Of course. So I went, went for a Subway yeah. on the side there. Rolled in Uha uh, Nation. Uh, yeah. Tries to purchase his subway, the one accept his card, so I offered to buy him one. And he said no. He said no because he's. I think he's just too nice. 
What a nice really? guy. So what, what a nice man. So I'm assuming... Oh, wait a minute, hold on. I'm assuming they'd got to the end of the queue to the payment and they'd already made his sandwich at this point. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he was, if he was still like, trying to find payment or what, but I offered to buy it for him, but he didn't... He said no. Did he eventually get his sandwich? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> By that time. <laughs> well there you go oh my god next, next month we'll get Sandra from Subway to see if we can find out what went wrong yeah we need, yeah. We need a representative from Preston Subway <laughs> give you CM Punk and Brian Danielson stories if you want but <laughs> oh, that would be mint right next, next time we're doing Money in the Bank 2011 <laughs> yay yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking great show <laughs> Stories of uh, driving CM Punk around Coventry looking for a gym. <laughs> wow. When was this? That is, that is significantly better than the normal level of stories. I'll give you that. What Two months. 2005. <laughs> yep. All right. Okay. Um, so, international showdown was the was the show in Coventry. I was going to think. I was going to see. Was that not international showdown? But yeah, okay. I was only there because I drove Pete Williams there. <laughs> just, you're just name dropping now. <laughs> I got asked. Uh, I got asked by Alex Shane if, he'd, if I'd uh, take him down to Coventry. So I says, "Yeah, if I get two tickets for me and my brother." <laughs> like, yeah. There you go. Fair enough. That's absolutely fair. Can't argue with that. That's all right. Then. That's amazing. <laughs> and then he was. He was asking. He, they were going to go to a gym. So there's, at the time, I was driving a Saxo. So there was me, Alex Shane, um, CM Punk and Christopher Daniels driving around Coventry, yeah, looking for a gym. Wow, an image. Didn't find one, but found a a man with uh, three fingers missing. (laughs) 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 Which which then led led to Punk and Daniels doing pirate impressions. Oh, Oh, my God. God, I'm, right. I'm not getting images of similar to Coke Bar and, and Darren Burge's team shag just going around cities just being arseholes to people. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> I, I never thought they had it in them. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, segue that, Cameron. Go I can't. on. It's just impossible. I can't. This is why you brought me on, wasn't it? This is why. Well, well, for these. Dead banana moments. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I've got here in front of me. Here's Regal announcing the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, and I can't really link that into a three-fingered man in the streets of Coventry having pirate impressions done to him by CM Punk and Christopher Daniels. Ah, uh, you can be sure Regal's done that in the past. Yeah, yeah Regal's probably done pirate impressions in the past. The, the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, then, and it, the, it's a problem for me with the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic that persists to this day, because obviously it's, it, the, the uh, 2021 version has just concluded at Vengeance Day. Does anyone else not consider Dusty Rhodes a tag team wrestler at all? Uh, yes. I mean, in his early days, wasn't he? He was with... Um, somebody like his really early days but when he's like the american dream like he was singles all the way he was somewhere somehow something i just i remember you know i remember him always being a singles guy you know he was wrestling flair and yeah, well, yeah. things like that and for the with sapphire. and you know with sapphire and i'm like well that's probably the only tag team i actually can remember in my head 
is him and Sapphire versus Macho and, and, and Sherry. <laughs> That's about the only God, tag I that thing I can It happened, remember. didn't it? Jesus. About that just hit me like a damn flashback. <laughs> so it's always, it's always bothered me why they're kind of going, you know, here again, it's like kind of going, you know, Corey Graves is going, yeah, tag team tournament, what a way to honour the dream. Is, really? <laughs> well, to be honest, the only way, the way to honour our dream is books of the English language, but we can't do that. Oh, no. <laughs> now, surely the best way to honour the American dream would be to have just like a series of like, like really nuts gimmick matches with daft finishes. Well, yeah. Or get so... that three-fingered man to tell us about his life. Because, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> But it's, um, yeah, so they're, they're going to have the um, tag team tournament, which has persisted to this day. So, you yeah. know, there must have been like five or six editions of it by now, then in that case. And the first women's edition yeah. was this year as well. Exactly. Yeah, the first women's one. A point. I, I put a tweet out yesterday, I think it was. Yep. Did you kind of miss the point of the Dusty Road classics to then have, to have a women's version? Should you yeah. not? Have a have a woman's tournament. You know what I mean? Name after a female. We suggesting the Sensational Sherry Cup, <laughs> which I'm, I'm in full that's agreement a, with you. That would be awesome. That's a cracking name, guys. It was a spur of the moment example. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's the, that's. I think I tweeted you back saying that um, you know they should have Booker T do commentary on yeah. uh, on the final Just because so, of the Harlem Heat thing. Is it is it bad that the the history of women's wrestling in WWE is that bad? It's bad that Stephanie McMahon takes all the credit for it, but that's yeah. just my own opinion. Well, uh, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> I invented I'll, women's wrestling. No, you didn't, Stephanie. Sit down. Up. Yeah. <laughs> we get a little shot of the Tough Enough finalists. God, um, what train wreck that show was. <laughs> none, none. I forgot that was still a thing at this point. Yeah. I thought it would finish years before this. This was like the revamped version. Yeah, this was their attempt on the USA to bring it back, and it did not go well. Was it not Austin Page? Yes. Yeah. It was, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, was, I looked, I had no recollection of ever watching Tough Enough at the time, and I looked at these four and went, I don't recognise any of these, so I'm assuming this did not go very far. <laughs> no. So I think was... it led into the Breaking Ground series. That's on oh, the yeah. Next... Yeah, I, I remember that now. Yeah, oh, well. Uh, I yeah, I remember that now. Now you mention that, yeah, I can remember that. But I don't remember actually ever watching it. But, <laughs> but yeah, I remember it being a thing. It was there. I was for it between shows. No recollection of it. Then we're off to Baron Corbin versus Samoa Joe, which seems to be put forward as Baron Corbin's character in this sort of period of NXT seems to have been that he is completely a non-wrestling guy who is coming into the wrestling world and dominating people who have been on the indies for years kind of idea. Yeah, basically his old gimmick at the time was I don't respect these people that think because they've wrestled in front of three people and Doug that I should respect them because I am Baron Corbin. As I mean, as a gimmick, it's you know, it's something I suppose. It's nothing that'll set the world on fire. I know, but I, I quite liked like this kind of attitude in the promo. Just actually going, yeah, why should why should I, I get paid? Why should I care about them sort of people? Like I was quite thinking, wow, Baron Corbin's actually quite good. Outside of WWE, it would work. Yeah. When you're in WWE, you don't acknowledge outside WWE. Yeah, nothing doesn't. Nothing exists. Yeah. That's yeah. Sure. Killed your own gimmick. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well kind of. 
Because I was going to say, because what they're trying to do in this match is obviously suggest that Samoa Joe has, you know, been to you know all around America, all around, you know, Japan. He's been to the UK. He's been to Germany. He's wrestled in all these other places. And as CM Punk, we were in a, a service station at three o'clock in the morning with Samoa Joe. <laughs> was was the people there have all their fingers? Uh, yeah, there wasn't any. There wasn't any, but I say it was there. We had two cars, me and me and my brother and Peter Williams, and Samoa Joe was in the other car, and we all stopped at a service station at like three o'clock in the morning. More importantly, could Samoa Joe buy a subway? He would have been able to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, not three in the morning. <laughs> he had lost his uh, coconut shampoo the night before. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! You see, you see a different, you see a different side to wrestlers. <laughs> but the way they kind of position in Corbin against Joe, like I think, like in this, in the promo thing before, and it works quite well with kind of you know Corbin's bored indifference against Joe's, like I'm just going to murder him because I'm a wrestler sort of thing. And it's certainly better than I think what Corbin's had to do on the main roster, like his dog food match with Roman Reigns. Oh God, I try not to think about and that. He's like this sheriff. Baron Corbin, I think, was very, very exposed. As was, as Shane said earlier on, that you know it's very hard to maintain a gimmick for three hours a week, whereas it's a hell of a lot easier yeah. to maintain a gimmick for an hour a week, even two if yeah. you're really creative. But this point, Baron Corbin, King Corbin, shit can Corbin, whatever he is, I'm not a fan. If in case you can't tell, I just. Yeah. He's just been exposed to the point of he's just not that good. And for for me, this is this is the weak point in WWE because if you were if you were a decent wrestler, like regardless of your standard, and you were in Baron Corbin's position, you would get better. With wrestlers, you should keep improving. That yep. was that was always my uh, complaint with Roman Reigns. It took him too long to get good. Yeah, I would agree that. You know, if you're getting that level of attention, you're getting that level of, you know, I mean, thinking of people in the performance center, the amount of talent in that place is ridiculous. And, you know, you're working with what are meant to be, quote unquote, the best dressers in the world. If you're working for WWE, the big leagues, whereas some people are quite clearly they're just for the paycheck and will just coast along and put on any old crap every Monday or Friday night just to get their paycheck. But it's almost, I think, it's almost kind of pointless trying almost to say because if you try to do something creative and it's not come out of Vince's head it's going to get shot down and you're going to end up in main event wrestling against the doormat the the other side is though like the likes of Baron Corbin's obviously been given the position so you mean even if Samoa Joe works this match half-assed he should learn from him Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm. yeah you mean if 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 you work if you work people Samoa Joe's standard who aren't even working 100% for three months in a row, never mind every day at the Performance Centre, you should be better than the level that, say, Baron Corbin is now. Is it not the case, though, that they've maybe fallen in love with the character of Baron Corbin rather than the ability of the guy playing him? You can still play a a, a, a character that isn't liked well. Yeah. Yeah, because he it, just kind of appears on Raw these days and he's just there for being there. Sake, it feels he's like. just there to fill time. And that, that's what that's the biggest problem for me with main roster WWE right now is they're just trying to fill time. They're just trying to fill content. And unfortunately, <clears throat> the content they're putting out there at the moment for the last, even for the last decade, has been subpar at best with the occasional bright shining light. But that bright shining light is covered in a very thick veil of fog and just general 
nonsense and lack of creativity. Like, you, you could get six minutes on Raw and still put out some entertaining. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm actually watching Superstars from 1992 at the moment on the network. And these oh, wow. these <laughs> matches are all squash matches. These matches are either squash matches or if it's a featured match, it maybe gets five minutes. But I, you still get a hell of a lot out of that match because everything they do in that time has a meaning. It's not just, right, we're just going to fill five minutes with this goal. They're actually working towards something. Uh, I watch a lot of the, the early Monday Night Raws. Mm. And as you said, a lot of them are squash matches. And do you know what I mean? You'll get a random versus Shawn Michaels. And that's that's your big match. Mm-hmm. And it's mm. still entertaining. As, and the, the other matches get the point over, hey, this is this is the guy that we want you to, to do or, or cheer. Yep. This is their moves. That's it. Yeah, that's it. It's a showcase. Hmm. <laughs> I'm happy, done. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like, here I am, here's what I do. If you want to see more, I'll be back next week or buy the pay-per-view. Yeah, mm. but you don't have to buy your pay-per-view now, so... No, that's it. No, because you've got, your... they've got your £10 already. Yeah. Well, it's the TV show for the product now, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. the, the audience numbers and the advertising they sell for the TV show. That's well, it's, like it's, their main, it's not, main driver, It's not it? even that now, because in America, at least, they're sold to Peacock now, so they're now going to be part of NBC, the network. So that, that whole thing's yeah. completely gone now. They can put out Baron Corbin taking a shit for three hours every Monday night, and nobody would care because, <laughs> you know, they've got their money. So, you know, all Peacock wants that's content. Awesome. Picturing Baron Corbin in a waistcoat doing that, it's hanging on my head. Surely we could have gone with Baron Corbin buys a subway. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that that's every, oh on YouTube now. Anyway, back to the match. Uh, the, the, the ending of well, the end of days is attempted, um, but Jordan versus in at the clutch, and um, then Corbin passes out. In, in obviously, I don't think he tapped. I think it was just no. He, he just, he just out passes and, out. And yeah, passed out. in the kind of like obviously not making him, you know, losing it through sheer giving up with the pain rather than actually physically going ow. Side note on the Kokita clutch, um, other than. Like, I know he calls it a cake clutch, but do you not think chokes are allowed more nowadays? People are allowed to finish matches with chalk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not so much now a hold, it's more you are trying to knock, the, you are trying to KO the person yeah. now. It's not just you're trying to make them uncomfortable. Yeah. It's still a choke. You're not allowed to choke your opponent. That's that's the wrestling rules. That's yeah. true, yeah. There you go. Just a triangle choke work. <laughs> That's a, that's a really good point. So, really, the Undertaker's going to be what? He's going to have yeah. a few more losses on his card then. <laughs> WrestleMania change any of his results? <laughs> yep. Well, I would still change the one against Brock, but that's my own personal opinion. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're probably right. Is that not just like a thing with the, when the UFC came into popularity? That they decided to sort of suddenly introduce things like, oh yeah, by the way, you're choking, you're choking, Cameron, fine. Cameron, they did that once. It was called Brawl for All. It's the reason yeah, why I it's know, the worst I... paper on the table. <laughs> yes, I know, I know, but it's like Raw Underground. Oh God, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. that disaster piece. Oh, God, <laughs> with with signing up. It was just like what a shit show that was. That, that only existed because you remember that you know that rumor that went around ages ago that Shane McMahon was trying to convince his dad to buy the UFC at one stage. No, it was actually Shane trying to invest in the UFC. And I oh, think Shane tried himself. I think his dad. Yeah, it was Shane himself because I think Vince was basically going, "No, oh, no, son, don't do that. Date on my TV. It'll be, it'll be great. It'll be fantastic. It goes four weeks and gets canned." <laughs> 
I mean, we can I can understand trying to do different things with the current pandemic and you know having no fans in the building. Credit them for that, but mm, some things didn't really stick, and that was probably one of them. <laughs> yeah, it's because they keep trying to figure out what do we do this third hour on Raw. Yeah, and it's probably the the ideal thing would be to not have, have a third hour, but they're kind of committed <laughs> yeah. to it, aren't they? Yeah, pretty much they got to. Yeah, going back to the match, I think Joe is still. Uh, Underappreciated with how good he is. Oh, Joe is fantastic. Massively I, sure. I completely agree. It's just a shame, I think, when he got to the main roster, he seemed to get kind of could tell by injuries. Like he did his ankle, didn't he? And then it was like a concussion, kind of forced him onto the commentary booth. I think he's had he, a lot he's of cracking problems. In the with, yeah, he's booth. cracking, but I think he did a lot of problems with concussions recently, I think. And that's why he's kind of. Because he was on the b- backstage for a while on Fox Network, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. The yeah. thing that I like with Joe is a lot of his matches do feel the same, but you don't go, oh, I've seen this match. Yeah, th- mm. they're very similar in sort of, not so much feel, but they're very similar in sort of what he does, but yeah. he's always tailoring it to his opponents. He's always tailoring it to who he's facing. Yeah. For, for me, peak Samoa Joe, I'm going to date myself here, is October 2005 when he faced some some guy called Kenta Kobashi. Yeah. In Ring of Honor. That is one of my favourite matches of all time, will be my favourite match of all time, because I remember watching it for the first time and just my mind was just blown away because these two guys beat the living piss out of each other. But it had a story, <laughs> it had so much going for it, and it had a crowd that was basically thermonuclear from the minute the, the entrance themes played. Yeah. That's not even Kabashi at his best. No, it's not. That's the scary thing. <laughs> That's the scary <laughs> thing. Next little point to make is the fact we have three people at ringside. One's Ric Flair, one's Sergeant Slaughter, and the other one is some lassie called Kana. Yep, uh, some, some, some girl. Whatever happened to her. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she, no. I think she's still about. So you still still bad. Uh, we then get, um, and I forgot this existed, Team Bad. No, I remember <laughs> it existed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Naomi. I try uh, not to remember. This was that period of time where they could only introduce women at the main roster if they were part of some like click heel group. Then we get uh, we get Stephanie because she's invented women's wrestling. <laughs> yeah, as we all know. Yes, she's, and, she's um, created women and women being allowed in sports. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, I think she also created gravity as well. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> according to the Rock, maybe not. I have just here. Have to, here's Stephanie. The mouth is moving, but the words mean fuck all. Pretty much, um, but uh, yeah. So she's introduced. She's here to introduce, essentially, uh, Bailey versus uh, Sasha Banks, which for me is match of the night. Yes. Oh, easy. Yeah. yeah. Did anyone spot the, the the very nice and subtle tribute to Dusty that Bailey had? Yeah. Yeah, with the um, uh, the polka dots. Yep. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, because uh, yep. yeah, because Sasha starts ragging on it straight away when they get into the ring. It's brilliant. <laughs> yes. Because what, what you got, I mean, I know people kind of like, um, kind of ragged on Bailey at this point, but what's the, like, Joan Cena, I think was the kind of, that's unfair. The kind of baby face digger. Uh, yeah, but I mean, like, she was, she's perfect at it. Like, like her underdog kind of tail into this match against Sasha Banks. It's just like, it's pitch so perfect with, you know, Sasha's like a superb heel. Yeah. And Bailey's like a great underdog baby face. It just, okay. like, it just meshes perfectly. I, I do have, I do have a, a possibly controversial take is this their peak? Um, Ooh, I, not having... If you'd have asked me that before Hell in a Cell last year, for maybe. Me, yeah. yeah, their tag team as the role models was pretty good. But whether or not it had the kind of impact... Because, I mean, to be fair, like, 
like the four of them, you know, if, if you talk about the, the NXT four horsemen, they did pretty much change the industry, like in the, the kind of year leading up to this, didn't they? The kind of the four match they had, the matches they were having on TV, yeah. it did kind of force WWE to kind of go, oh, actually, women's wrestling seems to be good now. Mm-hmm. It's quite weird because... Definitely invent it quick. Flashback to the beginning of the, the millennium, you had Brian Patty's matches, you had, you know, whole trains, you had all kinds of bullshit. Women were basically just treated as objects, whereas mm-hmm. five years later, they're you know, they're now treated as equals. Is that not just culture? Yeah, you could say that, yeah. yeah. I could. I would say so, yeah. I guess you could say that. It was sort of the culture at the time. You, you have people like Charlotte Flair doing... Uh, a figure four and then doing a bridge which adds, adds no leverage whatsoever <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've always wondered that <laughs> like why why the bridge it does nothing because it because it makes it an eight or something there's no, there's no eight involved <laughs> the figure eight isn't it like, no no there's not no I can't I can't defend that at all. <sighs> um know. I think it's telling it, on a similar note I think it's very telling in commentary that they are talking about Raw and SmackDown having a divas division still, Ugh. but there's so, yeah, th- this yeah. is this is not for the NXT Divas Championship. No, this is for the NXT Women's Championship. Yeah, because you're allowed to be a woman in NXT. Minute you get to the main roster, you're a yeah. piece of meat. I mean, we're 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 moving away for the main roster anyway from the John Laurinaitis. Let's hire some underwear models and teach them how to wrestle, kind of idea. Yeah, and you mm. end up with sort of you know the the Bella twins and things like that. Whereas you know, I would say that Charlotte and Bailey and Becky Lynch and uh, uh, and Sasha Banks were kind of responsible for accelerating that process. Yeah, because I think to a degree, Lita versus Trish was the sort of beginning of that. You know, the, the main yeah. event on Raw, people always look back to where you know Lita almost destroyed herself. But that's Basically, like 2004. They yeah. They had a proper match and people kind of went, oh, women can be wrestlers. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's this kind of dawning moment. Well, well, for me, I'd rather watch uh, Io Shirai and Candice LeRae. Yeah, that's I, bad. I, I think they're better wrestlers than all four of the four horsewomen. Yeah, definitely yeah, agree with you. Io Shirai, definitely, yeah. She's definitely but, superior. But the four horsewomen were first. So they are on a higher stand now. Yeah, they get certainly more reverence throughout it. Yeah. I'm kind of bored of watching Charlotte these days because I think they just essentially... I don't want to say handed everything to her because that makes it sound like she didn't put any in any effort. She obviously put in the effort to have the matches. <laughs> but it seems to be that, you know, they effectively want Charlotte to have the same record as her dad. Yeah. As far as title wins go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's pretty fair. I mean... Um, I, I, She's very. She's got the same problem. She's very stale. Yeah. Yeah. At the minute. Yeah. Totally. And it doesn't look like she can be bothered either. I mean, it's like last year when she won the Rumble and she was facing uh, Rhea Ripley for the NXT title and yeah. won it. It didn't feel like she was there to enhance NXT. It I hated that. Like I hated the fact that she won. She should not. Yeah. Have won yeah. That. I didn't I, help I, anything. I, did it that? They didn't kind of get to, the idea. Should have been to. For, to uh, like bring it up to the next level it should but it have just been didn't. Rhea Ripley been shot to the moon but it wasn't no because she's a flare blah 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 whatever that that if I could go back in time I would reverse that and have Rhea Ripley go over because that was her moment to shine and it was taken away from her for I don't know why what well, is that hmm. why this match works because both of them are going to benefit 
Yeah, I think so. There's, there's a mutual. Yeah, yeah, everyone's yeah, yeah. got everyone's got an interest in making this the best they can. Whereas now, Sharpfler is right. like, can I be arsed? I'll just phone it in. And and the other side is they haven't been phoning it in. I know um, both both of them have had good matches like in the last few years, but because you're on Raw every week or SmackDown, you you lose the fire. Yeah, yeah. I think especially like this time they were they were like. They were basically like trying to prove something, weren't they? Trying to prove that they could be at the top of the car. They could, they deserve to be there. I think there's that kind of, you can see that kind of fire in all of them yeah. is kind of drive them on. I think when they get to the main roster, it's like, we made it. And, and then now, it's like, and now they don't. Like, how do you maintain that? And like, uh, I, because as I say, I, I, I'll see things that use like don't, and exactly. I pull my hair out watching some of their matches because it's like, that makes no sense. Yeah, it's a feud that started in NXT and it's been, they've, they've tried to almost copy and better it in, on the main roster and with very few exceptions, it's never quite reached the, the heights that this match reached. This match, when it was announced, people were talking about it, people were excited for it because, you, as we said earlier on, Bailey was this sort of happy-go-lucky, sweet, sweetie pie face, but you could tell there was a side of her that Sasha Banks brought out because Sasha Banks would just... Ragnar, 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 and this was Bailey's opportunity to show Sasha Banks. No, I can actually beat you. Take that belt yeah. and bring in the, the Hog Revolution, whatever it was. And yeah. because Bailey had something to prove, and because she'd got the buy-in with the fans, with you know the months of build and everything, and that's one thing I feel was missing from main roster WWE. They're so sporadic with they'll change their mind week to week. There's no long-term story planning. I'm not saying you need to have a storyline for six months, whatever, even a month. Just even have something build over a month. Don't try and do something in three hours. It doesn't work. It doesn't land because I've got no emotional buy-in. I don't care. Yeah, because yeah, I say this goes back to the, the four match they had probably three, four months earlier. Mm -hmm. And you'd had like the entire story of like, they show in the promo of Bailey kind of wrestling through the four horsewomen to get her shot at Sasha Banks. Plus like everybody else had been like, they were moving up to the main roster and she was kind of being left behind. So it all just kind of feeds together nicely to kind of make that story good, doesn't it? With NXT being run the way it was and the length of time it was, the fans were invested. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because you'd have your local fans, the likes of that, that is it Izzy, the little girl? Oh, the her, her friend in the audience. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Stuff, stuff like that. That can't be done on SmackDown. No, no, no. It's like remember, was it the Iron Woman match they had, and um, Sasha ripped her hairband off or something? <laughs> yes. Just the heat from that was nuclear. It was insane, wasn't it? But that's because they could build. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. They could do it. They could. They could build it. They had that relationship with the audience. They could do it, couldn't they? Whereas if you. Like, see, on Raw, it's just kind of like week to week, it changes. There's no consistency to it. It's hard to get that buy-in for the... Because it's all about emotions. It's all about kind of get, getting people to invest their emotions in that character in the ring. And it's like if when you've got a consistent build or something, it's much easier for people to buy into it. What, what people often forget is you don't always have to build to a match. You could have you could have a, a Sasha Banks building her character and a Bailey building her character... And then it, when they do get to work together, they're building their match, but they've already got their fans behind them or against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. it means something. Yeah. Kind of keep them from touching. Because I feel like we said earlier, like on, on, if you're on Raw, like the matches kind of cycle through in about two weeks, don't they? You've seen, like, you seem to, it feels like you've seen everybody wrestle everybody else. So it, nothing kind of feels special anymore. Yeah. Going back to what Shady said about having the sort of local audience and everything, this is going off track a little bit, but 
it works for full sale and obviously at the performance center um, now because you've got that crowd that are invested but the danger with having the same venue every single time is more is pretty much was exposed with impact when they taped at universal studios because a good majority of that audience got in for free didn't give a shit about what was going on they're just like oh I'm, i'm on holiday oh i'm gonna see some wrestling fine whatever TNA then tried to get out of the Impact Zone, tried to take Impact on tour, which didn't go well, as we all know. But the problem was the fans, because it almost the fans almost turned on the product because it was so awful. But at the same time, the Impact did nothing to get those fans buy in. They just put on reverse battle royals, barbed wire Christmas tree matches in an attempt to try and get something from the crowd. Whereas NXT, you've got that emotional buy-in, you've got that emotional appeal of, I want to see this person succeed because of X, Y, Z, and I want to see this person fail because they are trying to take on my sort of my fan. point about that is NXT do several loops yep. outside yep. the performance centre. And like uh, two years ago, I went and watched them in the centre of Orlando. And, I mean, you got, like, the big names, but you also got the new faces who were just getting time in the ring on a show. Yeah. Yep. Who, who probably would be on TV in not so long time, but would be like, nah, you should have kept them. You, I mean, it was, they're still getting the time to get the local fans. So if they've got a loop around Florida... <clears throat> When you get to do your NXT, your tapings to full sale, you get your local fans from all over the state. Yep. Hmm. That have watched this person over the last, maybe maybe they've been going six months doing the loop and now all of a sudden they're, they're going to be on TV. You've got that group of fans that are already bought in. If I was going through the WWE loop, I would never want to go to the main roster. I just want to stay in NXT or go to NXT UK. Or be somebody like uh, Fandango who can uh, run his business on the side and still go and wrestle at NXT. There you go. <laughs> For me, being a wrestler, getting I want to be the best wrestler I can, and like it, it makes me sad that there's a full roster of WWE wrestlers who are just happy being as they are. I don't care if you want to be on like main event, but be the best you can be on main event. Yep. Yeah. I think as for me, that's a big problem with shows like 205 Live because I'm quite sure the viewing figures of 205 Live are probably not great, but that's because they don't promote the show. They don't actually remind people this thing exists. I mean, only recently I remembered it was a show because they had some of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Classic matches on it, which then led me to think, how many people are on this brand and how many people are not seeing this? Demo was on 205 Live. Yeah. Uh, Killian. He's yep. not too old. Right? <laughs> no, he's not. Wow. <laughs> uh, no, no, not at all. Not at all. The the end of the match um, for Sasha Bailey uh, comes when there's a Bailey gets a top rope for the Karana, and then a Bailey to Bailey for three becomes a new women's champ. Crowd, no, 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 no. you're glossing over that, Cameron. It wasn't just the what? regular Herman Corona, it was a reverse Rana from the top rope. Sorry, <laughs> reverse Rana from the top rope. Because I just wrote in all caps, what the actual fuck was that? Was Was there a match with like the Sasha tried one, but he just fell straight on her head? Because I think that nearly happens early on as well, doesn't it? She kind of moved from the top rope and she just basically lands really nastily, which is really hard to tell with Sasha Banks. It's like she can take a bump really well and it's like the line between it that looks painful and then is she legitimately hurt kind of gets crossed over a few too many times with her I think reverse round one of my favourite moves to take yeah 
Right. In Canadian destroyers. Really? Okay. What is, what is it about what is it about those moves that you enjoy? I can take them well. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've seen them, and yeah, I would say yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, when when I've worked with Josh Terry, I've uh, managed to uh, persuade him to oh, Canadian God. destroy me on the apron. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I would just yes. <laughs> we did it up in Edinburgh as well for Discovery. Did you do Discovery as well? Oh yeah. man, that was amazing. I was that, that was brilliant that match. That was absolutely incredible. I was there for that one. Yeah, like, outstanding, Josh. Like Josh is on NXT UK pretty much every week now. And he's a superstar. He's, he's so good. No, he's absolutely brilliant. He's absolutely amazing. I think one of my favourite target matches I've ever been at in person was um, Josh Terry versus Steve Xavier. Yeah, that was good. About a year Const- ago. Um, Josh had been in a car crash on his way to the show. Really? Yeah. Bloody wow. hell. <laughs> <laughs> You wouldn't have known. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you that. You wouldn't have known. He debated uh, changing the match around. Really? Oh, my God. <laughs> so, obviously, he wasn't seriously hurt then. No, just shaken up. Yeah, yeah, you would be shaken up. Like, bloody hell. Because, what, he lives out in Egremont, doesn't he? So, it would have been... Christ alive. My God, that makes it even more impressive. That is amazing. I've got a question. You mentioned NXT UK there. As as somebody who works the indie circuit, Shady, a lot of people when NXT UK were formed and they started building a roster were extremely negative and hostile towards it because they felt that NXT UK was quote-unquote killing the UK indie scene. What's your sort of take on it? What's your sort of feeling on NXT? Do you agree with that? Or do you see it as just a sort of evolution? I think it should make people be better. Yeah, but that's... Mm -hmm. Because your mid-carders should then be your main eventers. Yep. So so get better. There you go. Get good. <laughs> Simple <laughs> as that. <laughs> it's that simple. And then you've got people, you've got the NXT UK rosters that were still allowed to work indie shows. Yep. Anybody working them should get better because they've been taught the WWE way, which, right or wrong, will have good points to so you can learn off. So is it the case that, like, Target could still book Mark Coffey, for example? Well, you've, like, Mark, Mark's been on the shows, Wolfgang's been on the shows. Yeah. Uh, Zach Gibson, Zach Gibson enjoyed working our shows better than some of the WWE shows in Target and Carlisle because it was uh, a better I got a hmm. funny, I got a fun story with Zach Gibson at a Target show, by the way. <laughs> I was I was the only person, and I think of the last Grizzled Young Veterans appearance of him and James Drake... I was the only person that bought one of their T-shirts. Oh. So I, wa- I walked up to the merch table where they were at, and I kind of went, oh, you lads, you all right? Can I buy one of your T-shirts? And Zach's there, genuinely, I think, because they were playing heels, obviously weren't you know, thinking they were going to sell much merchandise. So I handed over 20 quid cash, and I went, can I have that one in medium? And I've still got the T-shirt. And he looked at me and kind of went, right, um, for buying our, our T-shirt, you get a photo. You get a photo as well. And James Drake was at the bar. She's so there going, James, James, this punter here is buying our T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> is that the four-way? Yeah, that was the one. Aye. <laughs> well, I'll give you another story on that. Uh, Luke Ross and Chris Kendall weren't meant to win the tag titles that day. Were they not? I, I managed to um, persuade the booker to change the finish. Nice. We were meant to go over... And it was going to be a bigger reaction than winning. Was this you and CJ Banks? Yeah. Right, okay. 
So we wanted them to go over so that you get the big pop at the end because everybody went, oh, shit, he's going to win. And then we didn't. Yeah. I remember seeing it was, what was it, Polo Promotions, Grizzled Young Veterans, you and CJ Banks, and Criss Cross, wasn't it? Yeah. And I remember seeing Criss Cross enter, and my first thought was, who the fuck are these guys? And yes. then my next thought is, cannon fodder. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. I thought, they're going to go first. And there was a moment about halfway through where Polo Promotions got eliminated, and you were like, odd on. <laughs> But then, but then going back to our earlier discussion about WWE and NXT, mm-hmm. Luke and Chris have got a lot better now, haven't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, Luke's... Uh, so, you, know, like you got that position, got the rub off us, people got behind them. That's that's how wrestling should be. Well, I, I mean, I, I told Luke not long ago, I said, during that match, I told him that story. I said, when you did that tag match, I didn't have a clue who you were, thought you were cannon fodder. But after 25 minutes, I was cheering for you both. Yeah. Probably like the weirdest kind of like flip round in wrestling that I've experienced live in the fact that, you know, I went from not knowing who they were to really hoping they're going to win these tag titles in literally 20 minutes. And could you, like, it would be a different, it would have been a different uh, path for them if if they'd lost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they would have had to kind of build themselves up again. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, always... that's, that's why I don't understand the egos in wrestling. Because you're working together to get the reaction. And yeah, it's an end result. The bigger reaction was them winning, not me. Yeah. Yeah. I think ego I think ego was a big thing. It obviously helped kill WCW. People just were in it for themselves. Whereas you're absolutely right. I mean, if it's you know, if it's a singles match, if it's a tag match, everyone's there to put on a good match. No one goes into a match going, Oh, I'm gonna put on the crappiest match possible. You're there to do a job, <laughs> you're there to entertain, you're there to make yourselves everyone look good. Even if you're not going over, if you can make the other team look good, you're doing your job. Well, the last uh, discovery show I did up in Edinburgh it was like a, a raffle show, so it was just like random matches. So mm-hmm. every every match they said was drawn by a raffle. Right. So it was it was myself and Christopher Saint, both heels, against Alan and Randy, who were non wrestlers. Right. And, and Alan Alan's the promoter, and I argued with him that he should he should beat me, and he wouldn't have it. No. <laughs> his his argument was use a wrestlers, so you should win, and I was like. Yeah, but I'll get loads of shit because you're not a wrestler and you beat me. Yeah, that makes sense to me because that's that will be used against you for future future opponents. will yeah, say, oh, but you could beat by the promoter, so you know I'm going to kick the shit at you. I could get hmm. months of work off that off loser. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. Some, wrestling does have to be complicated. Wrestling can be as simple as can be, and sometimes it works. Completely. Completely. Yeah, we've got a main event to cover, haven't we? Yep. <laughs> After all this. Um, we got Kevin Owens versus Finn Balor for the NXT Championship in a ladder match. Yes, indeed. Did anybody else forget that Finn won the belt in Japan? Oh, a beast from the East. The beast in the, beast beast in the, in the East. Brock Lesnar, didn't he? <laughs> when Brock Lesnar killed Kofi Kingston. Oh, yes, I remember that, yeah. Oh, yeah, that happened. I think I remember going into this match because it obviously I've been watching Kevin Owens in Ring of Honor and how him and El Generico tried to kill every single ladder known in existence through their ladder war matches. I I actually thought this was going to be Owens' time to ascend because it's his speciality. Finn Balor's not really known for ladder matches, but Finn Balor will kick the living daylights out of you. So I actually, when I was first watching this match, I went into thinking this is going to be Owens' moment because it's his match, it's his environment. 
they built it up so well on TV that, you know, this he was still reasonably new at this point, but he came in with mm. all the sort of the cachet of, you know, was King of the Indies, etc. And I think this was probably one of Finn Balor's most feared opponents because I think he knew in storyline that this guy could beat him. Yeah, because Kevin Owens already had his like his little mini feud with John Cena at this point. Was that post before this, wasn't it? When he was the champion. It was around about this time, but when he was the in the John Cena invitational for the US title. Yeah. It probably would have been around about this time, but he had the, he had the NXT title at the time, didn't he? Yeah, so it would have been like earlier in the year because like it did feel like when KO was going to go over, like he like he might be the one to like really succeed because they would, even though he's not technically like he doesn't look like the the the, the Vince wrestler that he kind of you know, the, the kind of thing he pushes, like the way he gets over with the audience and the way his character's done. He is, like they say, he was the king of the Indies and he's got that kind of cachet to him. And, and another controversial take, I wasn't a big Kevin Owens fan until he went to the main roster. Really? What was it about him going to the main roster that made you change your mind on him? Because stuff had to make more sense. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. If you watch his indie work, you're like, well, why have you done that? You, you, do you know what I mean? He, he's now refined. Mm. That makes sense, yeah. yeah so, like, that, um, would you see like his indie stuff then as being like you know moves for moves' sake to get a pop yeah. rather than it working in the context of the match? Yeah, and that's that's where where I think the WWE style that's what it's about the the polish. Yeah, if, I suppose that's the whole idea of NXT, isn't it? It's to kind of take these you know the diamonds in the rough or whatever and, and polish them up to a degree. Yeah, that they can they they then they then work that style in a way that kind of I know it's like it's the the quote unquote WWE style. Yeah, but. Which isn't always, you know, I don't think it works for everybody, but when it does work, it does obviously, you know, it's, 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 there's a reason why the company is as, is, is as successful as it is, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. One, one of the things that I always say is because wrestling's so subjective, say you, uh, you were a wrestler and you did a training seminar with John Cena and he told you you did something wrong, you could then do a training seminar with somebody like Okada and they say you did it right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, Who's right and who's wrong? Yeah, I guess it's, so, yeah. That's that's the one thing about wrestling that people forget. It's one thing one thing you like might be something that somebody else hates or detests or think you can do differently. But I think the way, at least in my eyes, you do it is you tailor your approach to whoever's in front of you and whatever your environment is. You know, where you happen to be, you tailor your style to fit where you are. That's 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 another argument because that's the the old uh, Jake the Snake, Chris Jericho argument. Because Jake the Snake said you should always get yourself over, but Jericho said you should get your match over. Yeah. yeah. It goes back to the whole, you're both there to work together. It's not you against, it is you against them, but actually underneath that, it's you're both in it for each other. I, I think there was a quote by Tommy Dreamer once that said that they should teach, um, they should teach pro wrestling in school because it's uh, athleticism, it's teamwork, it's, you know what I mean, all these things. And it's, yeah. it, well, it, it, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right, when you <laughs> put it that way. We have the demon gimmick that Finn Balor's got for this one. Uh, yeah. I put down here the demon gimmick before it was ground to the dust. Yes. <laughs> yes. Was... Because whilst I like the demon gimmick for its aesthetic, I like it for how it looks, I like it for how it's kind of a bit otherworldly. That's, that's all it is. Yeah. It's, it's only aesthetic. He doesn't change his anything. Yeah, that's it. The thing I've got with it is, um, my point is, if it's like this darker Finn Balor, 
if it's like this kind of like you know deep place he goes to when he really really needs to fight why don't you just bring it all the time yeah yeah machine if you're like you know, like, so like, like Shady says like his in-ring work doesn't really get any more vicious doesn't get any nastier it's the same style that he's got yeah. a couple of loads of paint work paint on his face storyline mode he's he shouldn't be as vicious on a weekly basis no mm-hmm. and secondly if he goes if he does turn up as the demon you should see a, a clearly exhausted Finn at the end yeah because he's expended everything yeah even it's just like you know different finishes or something or different you know, yeah. different common moves yeah, that would make that would help yeah, normally, I, I can appreciate that one I mean it's like it, the, the comparison you'd always give is like Mick Foley in the sort of between you know the difference between Mankind and the difference between Cactus Jack because Mankind became a joke you miss there's, there's no difference you're missing the difference between the characters. For me, the whole, we covered it in the, the Royal Motive as an episode where it was originally meant to be Triple H and Mankind and Mankind came to the conclusion, you know, I can't really face you as Mankind. It's not going to work. So I'm going to change into the homicidal maniac Cactus Jack. That evolution worked because it brought out Foley's vicious and hard-hitting side, whereas Mankind, the sort of timid, almost sort of scared character, wouldn't have worked. He portrayed it in the ring. Cactus Jack was was a sadist. Mankind was a mas- masochist. Yep, there you go. He liked Mankind liked the pain, whereas Cactus Jack would inflict as much pain as possible. But if you tried to put it back on him as well, he would he wouldn't he wouldn't say no, but he wouldn't accept it quite willingly as Mankind yeah. would. I wonder if like we were talking about if he's gonna say uh, Cactus and Mankind with that. Cactus Jack could could live outside of the matches, like he would, like he would be delivering promos as Cactus Jack, yeah. whereas the Demon. It's just a, like a makeup he wears to the ring yeah. at that match. He doesn't do promos yeah, as true. a demon to yeah. kind of establish it as a yeah. separate character. Yeah. Doesn't get that time, does it? On that same boat, why is Christopher Daniels called the Fallen Angel? You know, I don't why? actually know. Because <laughs> he wears he wears a robe to the ring. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna actually have to research that now because I've never actually thought about it before. I've just accepted that's what he was known as. <laughs> just that, that's, yeah. that's what his name is. <laughs> My mind, my mind has been blown there. I don't know how I've never thought of that. <laughs> just, that's that's yeah. why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, that's why you're on. I mean, about like, like somebody said that I was like uh, a wrestling rain man because I was <laughs> <laughs> things that don't need stressed about. <laughs> where's, where's that gimmick in wrestling where you've got a wrestling rain man that can just pull random moves from a different wrestler every time, <laughs> so you never know what you're going to face. Probably do it. <laughs> <laughs> so they, this match I mean I, I don't know I had that whole thing of sometimes I have a problem with ladder matches in that it's kind of not based on the wrestling itself it's Special. based on just reaching out for an object and I know that I don't know how it, that might sound daft but you know what it, I mean are you trying to say it's hard to build towards a finish where it's not a decisive pinfall it's I got up high and reached for something struggle climbing a ladder when you're a wrestler <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you have to take it very slow. It must take you ages to paint a hallway or something. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this match was was good, but it wasn't. I say for, for me, it wasn't going to top uh, Sasha Bailey. No, it's good. Not no, great. I don't think the story going into it had quite the bite to it as that match did it. The kind of emotional connection to that match was much less than this one. I think. Yeah. Well, the one thing I did think when the match first started, they going through. Um, I realised, like, well, until, like, about halfway through, like, it seemed like it was, like, actually a ladder match rather than a ladders match. Yeah, it was the one one ladder, yeah. 
Yeah, because the early kind of rest like ladder matches I remember, they, you know, the kind of Razor and Sean all that. There was only one ladder, and then it was like in the ancient Christian years, like suddenly ladders were like everywhere. Well, no, you, you started and... off with the one ladder, then you got the bigger ladder, then you got the holy fuck, where was that hiding ladder? Yeah, the kind of ridiculous twenty foot one for Jeff Hardy to jump off. Yeah. So like initially I thought, oh, they're going to keep it simple with just the one ladder, but now they've kind of they pulled one out yeah. at some point to make some kind of structure, didn't they? So what was what was a, a really good ladder match that wasn't Sean and Razor? It's hard to realize. I would say No Mercy 1999, Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boys. That's what came to mind for me. But that's the only one I can think of. Um, that was good. But is that not good? The same reason why any other ladder match is good because it's just a stunt show. Yeah. Yes, to a degree. I suppose it gets props because it's the first of the kind of that, that series, isn't it? Well, it's the start so, of that trend to the, we get to the TLC. Whereas this. And most other ladder matches are just, oh, ladder match. That's that's the one thing I hate. I, I say hate. Hate's a really strong word. That's one thing I really dislike about WWE now that I've got these themed pay-per-views. It's, it's no longer that a few just got to a point where we need to have finality and we're going to do it in a Hell in a Cell or we're going to do it in a TLC. It's just, oh, it's October. Yeah. All right, what's in the calendar? Hell in a Cell. All right, what we got? All right, just shove them in. It'll be fine. There's no build. There's, yeah. no, there's no logic. There's nothing. You've, you've got to live in remember this this weekend or whenever it is and there's people that have like been losing the matches and they're in the elimination chamber yeah also the fact that one elimination chamber match has an average age of like 40 something <laughs> it's just That's very ageist there i'm no i'm no <laughs> oh you you asshole I knew, I knew that was gonna bite me when i said it what i meant was it's not pushing any new talent you're relying on your sort of just previous generation <laughs> It's it's it, it's one of the many things about current WWE that just really irks me because they, they're just they're just not thinking ahead. They're thinking about that week or even that day sometimes. And that right. that goes back to WCW where changing that. What with the title in the last year of WCW, where the title changed hand like seventy three times in one year or something. <laughs> because because they were trying to do each other, they would they would they wouldn't be planning for the future. They'd they'd do it there and then. Yeah. But I think, was it not Russo that was like, no one cares about the title, bro? Oh, Vince Russo, please go away. <laughs> wow. It's like he's on the podcast. Yeah. That's stunning. <laughs> Next month's guest. <laughs> God, can you imagine? No. <laughs> but, um, I already told Paul London the other night that I was coming on your podcast. Have oh. you? Yeah. Oh, man. I high five Paul London once. It was great. I have, I have, I have uh, uh, the upon leaving a target show, I got a handshake, a fist bump, a high five, and a man hug from Paul London. I've also seen Paul London's nutsack. <laughs> <laughs> Who wasn't? <laughs> well, I, I was. It was an ACW show I was at. Yeah. And um, who was he facing? Oh, was it because of kid fight? Yes, yeah, so it was Kid Fight. Kid Fight had a thing of yeah. teabagging his opponents. So Paul London obviously hadn't been introduced to this whole concept. So he wrestled about three quarters of this match with his nuts hanging out. The chants that were said that night were <laughs> incredible. Oh, man. That's going to be... Yeah, that mental image will be lasting forever. Oh, yes. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Oh, well, hello to Paul London if he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be, be cool. I told him I always end up talking about him on any podcasts that I'm on because because like 
he, he is genuinely like one of my best friends. So, he's genuinely a really nice guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would say I, I've only briefly met him like a couple of times, and he's always come across as a totally sound guy. Yeah. And, and like because he did so much for me, wrestling wise. Yeah. If you talk my career, I can't help but talk about him. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, he's the guy. That, I mean, when he had that high octane title, he was cutting promos from bloody California or something like that, wasn't? <laughs> Online with a title that he won in a Carlisle sort of federation it was great absolutely amazing where were we with this man i have no idea um, i just want to keep talking it was it was a all right it was a decent main event but i think it was overshadowed by the match before yeah i don't think i think so, they, yeah. they could ever have lived up to it and i think should they have been brave and put sasha bailey on last if this wasn't yeah, i'm thinking then yeah mm, true yeah you've got the gimmicks i suppose you need to put that on last yeah Exactly. The spectacle of it, sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, you do get, uh, they, they do bat each other around all the place. The ending comes when uh, Owens falls off the ladder and crashes through another ladder, which has been placed uh, horizontally. Yes. There's a coup de grace yeah. from Finn Balor off the ladder, and then Balor climbs back up the ladder to claim the title. One thing that kind of like um, I got a bit of a mind about watching this one was obviously, you know, you know with the current situation with this, like, there's no. Um, no crowd you can hear you can, you can really hear the wrestlers in the ring kind of like yeah. uh, talking to each other and this reminds me that kevin owens has always been really good at that like he's always been kind of really like, really loud and verbal in the ring when he's kind of like shouting down at his opponents because there's a bit here i think he says to finn like stay down So those kind of moments I think I've always really liked from Kevin Owens where he's like even though he's you know his main goal is the wrestling and like say like um, Shane said like he's, ne- he's maybe not been the best kind of the smoothest wrestler like his his character work to bring the audience into the into the match has always been like top notch mm-hmm. yeah and it's that kind of stuff where he's like say he's like he's shouting at he's shouting at people he's telling them you know he's like insults during the entire match like get picked up by the camera like there's not there aren't many of the people that do that like kind of really kind of vocalized like he does or especially like like say now it's a bit different there's a bit of the start of this match where you obviously as we've said Finn goes through that you know entrance with the smoke and the red lights and then climbs in the ring and does the whole you know holding the hands oh, up to the, the about, music yeah. and then it just like Finn standing in the middle of the ring the lights go up and then the camera just cuts to Kevin Owens looking so bored out of his mind <laughs> yeah. in a chair by, by the commentary there. Although the great thing is that like, at the very edge of the frame you can see Corey Graves has just like sheepishly stood there without his chair because Kevin Owens has stolen it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like slumped back in the chair. Yeah, it's brilliant. Like that kind of stuff I mean, Like in the Japanese match when they kind of bring the flowers out and he just like threw them out of the ring. Yes. He's bringing the flowers then he just throws them halfway down the aisle. Yeah, it's just yeah, uh, it's just brilliant. And they throw all the tape in the ring and he's like, what's all this crap? Yep. All that kind of stuff. It's yep. just one of one of the issues that I've had with Kevin Owens is uh, when he's been a heel, he's always been a cool heel. Mm. Yeah, he's been in that NWO mode kind of thing. I had that. Yeah, I remember you talking about this previously. Yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm always I'm a big believer in having defined heels and defined faces. Yeah. Just to go, uh, just you know, we like you said, like about not being over, over like big fans of the Tommaso Ciampa. Gargano matches but when Tommaso Trumper came out to no music you know just that kind of nuclear heat like he really wasn't afraid of being hated by people yeah, no. which is what you want from yeah, the heel he, he embraced it and this is just like slowly walking to the ring no music 
just let the audience just like create that sound for you was was a genius that just goes down to the, the talent being comfortable with being hated a lot of people don't like the idea of being hated but when you've got a, a champer character who's like get almost get it off on the hate people are throwing at them you need to have that if you're going to be an effective heel you need to embrace the booze and the abuse and the whatever else otherwise you're not going to be an effective heel the, the, yeah. the way i see it is um if if you're a heel you're doing a good job because you're getting booed yeah that's your job yeah. you're there to be yeah. hated yeah that's the equivalent of a cheer yeah yeah it's just the opposite end of the spectrum yeah uh, one, one <laughs> kind of stood out in my career is like the the ring of honor title match i had that was discussed earlier with mm-hmm. jay Lee. they were booing me rather than cheering jay yep yeah which which you're an okay you're an okay heel like a decent heel if they're cheering for your opponent but if they're going out their way to boo you you're a good heel yeah you're doing your job you're exactly. you're, you're attracting the heat shall we Rank this show on the league table, then. Yes, let's do that. So I think it's safe to say that this show was better than WWF Brawl for All, so we're okay there. I think <laughs> it's so, not yes. I will say this, this show automatically will qualify high up because it only has five matches on it. Yeah. It is yeah, relatively <laughs> brief, yeah. Yes. Was honest. it two hours, 20 minutes? Uh, yep, something like that. Um, yep. Yeah, which I think this was like the period where like the, the WWF pay-per-views were like they were ballooning in size weren't they mm-hmm. I think we already, we already had like a four hour long Wrestlemania or however long it was I think Wrestlemania is still going on just now they do say <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. do you say at one point during this match that you know t- tomorrow night SummerSlam will be a four hour spectacular yeah and I just wrote down fuck's sake well if we're talking like this being like an indie darling show because it's got independent wrestlers on it or whatever yeah the highest like AEW all in is number seven of, of the list mm, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as all in no, I don't think so either. So directly below that is No Mercy 99. I think it's better than that. I'd say so. Any thoughts, Chidi? Well, my issue with that is, for me, all in, they couldn't even keep to the time of the finish. That's true, yeah, they just run out of time for the main <laughs> event. <laughs> well, see, the Okada match ran over, didn't it, with Marty Skull just ran over about 20 minutes, well, that, whatever I think it was. that was more Marty Skull jerking off, but that's a separate story altogether. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it goes that high. It's not like a it's not like a pay per view you look back. Well, not that pay per view, you know, a, a big show that you look back and think, oh yeah, that you know, yeah. I want to really though this is memorable for that. It's, I think the Bailey and Sasha match does just because of, like the kind of historical importance. Yeah, yeah. So would you say outside of the top ten? I'd say outside the top ten, maybe sort of in the early teens. It's probably better than Survivor Series '95. I enjoyed it more than that, but it's not probably up there with like the wrestling in Beach Blast '92. I'd put it in between those two. So it ends up being, what, number 13? What was Beach Blast 92? Yeah, Beach Blast yeah. has got the McFall, uh, Cactus Jack, uh, Sting Thing match on. Yes. Anywhere. Yeah, Force Gun Anywhere, they stay by the ring. I remember that yeah. now. <laughs> so uh, I'd put it... No, I think I'd agree with that. Yeah, I'd put, okay. I think I'd agree with it being the, th- the 13th best pay-per-view of all time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> According to the league table thus far. Yes. With that in mind, I say, uh, we'll uh, just to say, to ask Shady. Any plugs you want to give Shady while we're here? So, uh, myself on social media, it's uh, at Shady Natris on Twitter or facebook.com forward slash Shady Natris on Facebook. Um, and Pro Wrestling is Real Life is my YouTube series where I'm documenting some uh, 
past matches of my own. Today's one was uh, myself versus El Generico. Um, and also Project Wrestling Unity on uh, Twitter and Facebook. And that's my brand, which I've created to help um, promote wrestling and the wrestling community. Um, it's We should, should be sharing, at least sharing everybody's stuff. It's, it takes no time at all for to retweet somebody's podcast or highlight video or poster of the next show. Um, so I've kind of wanted to to make a little bit of a almost a hoop for for people to just tag them and uh, help uh, see some new wrestling. Yeah, yeah, sounds like a cool idea. That's, that's a really great cause because yeah. there's so much wrestling out there. And there's so much people don't know about. And I, I certainly believe in the fact that there's a wrestling promotion for everyone. If you want the Super Series stuff is out there, if you want the wacky stuff is out there, if you want a little bit in between, it's out there. If you want women's matches, it's out there. There's so much choice and diversity in wrestling that people shouldn't gatekeep it. Share it. Get it out there. Let people see it because it might be something that somebody's never heard of, but it might be something they can latch on to. And and that's that's what I think one of the big problems is. Um, wrestling fans, as you say, gatekeep. They gatekeep to other wrestling fans. Yeah, so it's stupid. Yeah. How are the general public going to come? And we want the general public to come so that we make more wrestling fans, so that more people go to the show, so that we make more money. Exactly, but, everyone wins. So, yeah, it's, it's such a simple concept that I don't... I don't understand why everybody isn't on the same team. Yeah. Yeah. No. There is. Well, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's it's like Cam will probably find it quite strange the fact that uh, he knows my wrestling character. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm trying to help people. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a certain sort of non-correlation there. Disconnect. You're a man man who walks to the ring with a t-shirt that says, I hate wrestling fans. Come on. (laughs) You know. Um, At the same time, these are the reasons why I hate wrestling fans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 I can see. Yeah, some, yeah, I can see why. Um, I mean, it's like, I, I, there's a kind of standing joke in my workplace about how Cam goes to the wrestling on a Saturday night at the Hallmark, and uh, that's a bit weird. But a couple of people have actually come along with me, and they get well into it. So I had a, I, I, there's a, um, uh, my workmate Lynn has been coming to the wrestling with me for the last, I think the last sort of, well, obviously not in the last year because there's been no shows. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in the, um, you know, before that, she was coming to the shows fairly regularly with me for each month for a good sort of six, seven, eight months. And she was really, really enjoying it. And her only sort of previous exposure to wrestling was watching like WCW Monday Nitro in the early hours of the morning where she couldn't sleep in the 90s. <laughs> and that was it. That was, only, that was her only back reference. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, do you know what I mean? Um, try uh, seeing it from my point. Uh, so what are you doing at the weekend uh, wrestling with them men in your pants again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there's a whole there's a lot of stigma around being a professional wrestling fan but I've never shied away from saying I enjoy it and when people question like oh it's it's just people playing in the pants I'm like well you watch drama that's not real so why is that why is that so terrible 
like uh, I know I know his name isn't um, uh, good to say nowadays, but Mike Quackenbush, Quackenbush used to call it um, uh, live action interactive combat theatre. <laughs> yeah, that that's pretty it's accurate. Not bad description yeah. for though, is it? People don't realise that the fans make a difference to the match. Yeah. Yep. If on WWE, but on on say a target show, if if the fans aren't interested, we have to do something different. Yeah, that's yep. it. So it's not all planned. <laughs> I think that's one thing about the current situation that we're in with WWE running with no fans in the arena. The the talent are having to work so hard to make sure it gets over to the people at home. So really, once fans are back in the arena, it should be so easy for them to get heat. Or they forget. That too, yeah. There's always that risk. Yeah. I suppose like now, like there's no chance for them to kind of like wait for that crowd reaction or to kind of, you yep. know, let the, the match breathe because they haven't got that kind of audible signal next to the ring to kind of say, oh, we should just you know, let the crowd come up for this moment or that, you know, let, let them just kind of settle during a little part of the match because there's no kind of feedback, is there, I suppose? Yeah. And that's, and, and as you said, that's, that is the signal a lot of the times. Um, like in ring, it'll be okay. Now, now we do it because the fans want it now. So we'll we'll do mm-hmm. we'll do the comeback. Now. Yeah, mm. do you know what I mean? Rather rather than saying we're going to do X, Y, and Z and then do the comeback, it's like okay, ready to go now. Yeah, it's like it's like when you go out, you think right, you've got twenty minutes for a match. You get to like thirteen minutes in, and it just feels right to go home. You go home. You don't stretch out for seven minutes where the match might fall apart. People, uh, a lot of people are scared to uh, do it on the fly now because you're left to your own device. Yeah, you have and to think. Yeah, there's a sink or sink or, sink or swim. Mm-hmm. That's it. When uh, when I wrestled Al Snow and like Al Snow was like my all-time favorite wrestler, so backstage he uh, he said, "Okay, just call anything you want out there." We might not do it. And I shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> so I, was, I was a face at the time. I got to the ring. The ref comes over. Al was already in the ring. The ref comes over and says, he says, he says you're heel now. So I shit my pants again. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we had, we had a, a finish planned and that was it. Yep. And What's that? Yeah. the fact that he, I went backstage and asked him uh, how it went. And he said, good. And I shit my pants again. Because <laughs> basically, I had said, I said years ago, if I was to ever wrestle Al Snow, I, like, I'd, I'd hate to do it because if he said I was shit, I'd have to just pack wrestling. Yeah, you'd have to get him up. That was it. <laughs> so so knowing, knowing the history of Al Snow and tough enough and everything, I kind of thought, oh, no, here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably stood up wrong. <laughs> so I've done two shows with him so I, I confronted him again the next night and uh, basically forced him to tell us what I had done wrong <laughs> <laughs> was this in Dumfries? yes it was yes <laughs> it meant, uh, yeah. meant that I, I learned something from it if he says if he says that was good there's nothing I can improve with yeah but then saying it was something about uh, dying on a comeback so I learned from that and I'm kind of hoping I don't do that now <laughs> <laughs> no 
and when he hits you with that head, it really hurts. I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, uh... <laughs> To Cameron's point as well about Target, for me, going to ICW in Glasgow, that was an experience. I think it's just being in, uh, being in a wrestling venue with the ring and everything, just being in that crowd with the atmosphere of whatever's going on, it's, it's like nothing else, I think. No other sport, no other sort of... It's been, been gigs and that, but there's just something special about it that I think when we can go back to these kind of things, whenever that will be, hopefully soon, I think it's just going to help grow it, if anything, because people have been chomping at the bit to, for something. And I think I think the only thing that might be detrimental was the wall speaking out. Mm, well... Rightfully so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think wrestling got away with being its own excuse for too long. Yeah, it was it was saying, oh, it's just wrestling, and that, that's almost dismissing it, whereas now it's come to the forefront and now it's not being ignored. So hopefully it's changing things for the better. I guess we'll find out. I could, I could say stories about certain WWE champions, but <laughs> you know what I mean? It, things are different now, and as I say, rightfully so. We want it to be safe mm-hmm. for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Whether it's a wrestler or... Um, a fan, you want them to come back. Exactly. It goes back to the mm-hmm. point we made earlier on. You want to grow your, you want to grow your wrestling talent. You want to grow your audience. You want this thing to succeed. So anything you can do to do that is worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And that, you know, the whole pricing unity piece that you're doing, that's, that's one piece of getting more people watching and more people invested in it. Because at the end of the day, we want it all to succeed as wrestling fans. We want wrestling to be successful. So anything we can do to help that, we should be doing. We shouldn't be gatekeeping. We shouldn't be trying to, quote unquote, protect what we like to watch. We should be showing it to everyone to say, hey, this is out there. I enjoy this. You might enjoy it too. Or your friend might, or your son might, or your granny might. There's wrestling out there for everyone. So why not get it out there? Uh, I mean, I like. I've I've got three kids, and my son would be into say, like he's into Yu-Gi-Oh. I play him at Yu-Gi-Oh. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling that. But I play it so I can play with my son. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, he always do. Yeah. yeah, totally. If he if he was into wrestling, I take him to wrestling, and yeah. that's that's how I see how people should be. Do you know what I mean? They, sh- they should be wanting to spread whatever people like. It, as you say, it's gatekeeping for anything. It's There's no need. <laughs> I see, I can uh, swap out Yu-Gi-Oh with Pokemon cards. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the... <laughs> 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 I've got a girlfriend going into the Pokemon cards, so I've, I've got no chance with any of them. Ah, fair <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on, Shady. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. No, yeah, agreed. I'm, uh, I'm glad I've had uh, something to entertain you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it, 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 it's the inside knowledge to um, subway purchases. <laughs> <laughs> we've, covered, we've covered the whole gambit tonight. Yep. So I believe <laughs> next month is a roundtable for us. It is. Um, I think the idea was theme tunes. I believe best. it was, yes. think so. Throw out demolitions there. Ooh. It's well, the a shout for 19. I think we're going to do it by decades, will we not? Yeah, we're it was going to be over a decade, yeah. Best from yeah. the 80s, best from the 90s, best, best from the 90s. The problem there is that the best theme tune in the 80s is Jake the Snakes. There's no, that's the right answer. See, so wow. we're getting on already, you see. <laughs> <laughs> 
the viciousness starts already. Yep. <laughs> it will only continue next month. <laughs> the skullduggery may uh, come into it. You know, let's not forget for the greatest tag team episode, it ended oh. up being the Bushwhackers. You know, <laughs> I don't know how that happened. did. I know how that happened. Yeah, you Cam, how did that, that happen? <laughs> Just for giggles. Yep. Just for giggles. Just for giggles. Happened. Well, that'll be next month. Um, it's been absolutely amazing. I have thoroughly enjoyed this record. <laughs> yep. And um, yeah, if you want to um, follow us on Twitter, we're on Twitter at, at uh, Conquistadors. Yep. And uh, yeah, talk to us on that and follow us for random chit chat about, um, I don't know, Alan making beds or something. <laughs> and other... Pick Alan's dinner. Yes, and uh, whatever Al can order from the Warwick this month. Um, which is all good fun. Um, but yeah, so <coughs> thanks for listening, everyone, um, especially Paul London. Thanks, Paul. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and we'll see you next month yeah